What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Jenny, from the block. What's going on? Ryan, the temp. What's happening? And (laughs) returning full-time now, Meg the Geek. What is up? Hi. Now, I expect that intro every week now. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was too good not to not to have every week. Oh man, I kind of regret it now. <laughs> <laughs> you just put a lot of pressure, David. No, I think she can do. I think she can do it every week. So I'm gonna have to make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back this week to break down some fun, fun news coming out of Comic Con. Which Comic Con? San Diego Comic Con at home. <laughs> I feel like we would have. I think I've seen more panels than I would have if I would have been in San Diego. Yeah. And you have the opportunity, right, like for the rest of the week if you wanted to after Comic-Con to go back and rewatch other panels that you might have missed. Yep. Um, I think it's been a unique experience doing it this way. Um, I think I give them a lot of credit for pulling together a program to try to still keep the con feeling alive and for the fans. Um, And then there are some suggestions that we have that, if should we have to do this again next year, which I know that they're probably not planning to, that might make it a little more. Yep. Um, they turned chicken fun. shit into chicken salad. Yeah. And I think cool. they, did, they did a really good job. And then by the soothing sounds of Hans Zimmer in our opening, we're also covering the entire Dark Knight trilogy. And that will be a fun breakdown. But before we get into that, let's get into the news. Before we get to San Diego, we did get some more movie changes. Movie changes, yeah. I think the entire calendar is is pretty much dead. So I keep having to change the calendar on Real Talk, and it's like I'm just gonna delete it right now at this point and just give up. Rem- just be like, just check back on 2021. R- Ryan, remember like a few weeks ago on the podcast, I was talking about how they need to just make up their mind and just call it a day and stop playing yep. this this ring around the rosy. And here we are now with. Tenet, around the Rosie. <laughs> yep, Tenet moved indefinitely. Mulan moved indefinitely. The French French Dispatch moved indefinitely. Uh, Antlers was moved to twenty twenty one. Yep. And what else? Uh, Spider Man. Spider Man moved. Spider Man to... was actually only moved a month. Yeah. No, so it's not a big deal. That's so that's not, not too bad. That's not too bad. All the we talked about the Marvel shows last week. I think at this point, everything to just oh, Quiet Place. A Quiet Place too, yes. And I must say, I that's pretty crazy for us. It's okay for me because we already saw the movie. We did. We had the unique opportunity. I think we've mentioned it once before on the podcast, but we got to see it over at at, uh, what was it, David Geffen Hall in New York City at Lincoln Center at the world premiere of it, and uh, it was it's a great movie. Great. So when you guys finally get a chance to see it, I think you'll really really like it. Um, A lot of tense, a lot of suspense. Um, we can't really say much else because it wouldn't be fair to John to give away and, uh, his <laughs> movie. Yeah, pretty much. He's, um, he said during the world premiere, don't say anything. Yet. Yeah, don't don't speak. Um, so I've had to push David's review of it, which I'm sure we're going to have to revisit again. I had to push it to September because it was originally supposed to be around Labor Day weekend. And then now pushing it to April. Uh, I think it comes out April 23rd, 2021. I, I think crazy. it has the one of the most tense scenes well, of this year and probably next year. And the kids, I think the kids get to do a lot more in this movie. Yeah, they're the standouts. Uh, yeah, em- Emily they kill is, it. Emily is more of a supporting player this year than th- in this movie that she was in the original. So I think that's, you guys will like it once we actually get it. 
So do you question for Meg and Ryan, do you guys think we're getting any movies this year? Oh god. You know what, Ryan, I'll let Ryan go first. <laughs> um, except for on VOD, I don't think so. Yep. Like I... at this point, we're past the halfway point. Probably gonna get a second wave, hate to say it, but Yeah. I wanna so be optimistic, I but I can't. It's it's tough. It's one of those situations where I wish that studios would know what will make money for them in the box office and what won't they make money because I think at this point they can release certain things on VOD and be okay. Like, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, and the fact that French Dispatch is completely off the calendar kind of annoys me because he's never really been a big box office player. So I can see this movie doing well on VOD or just streaming it on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, something along those lines. So other big box office things like you tenant has to be released in theaters. It's not going to that's has, that's too much money. It's two hundred million dollars right there. I was actually reading a, an article this morning um, and they are saying, you know, obviously tenant all the money and then Mulan, they know that that's going to have a big Chinese audience. So they want to release it in China and more than likely they'll probably do it if, as things have improved a little bit more there. Uh, they'll release it there probably first, mm-hmm. and then bring it to. Us. I actually, I agree. I think we're going to start seeing a different a shift in release dates. I think we're going to see international releases first. Also, and- China does not have Disney Plus, so that is also another reason why they Ooh. can't just put it on Disney Plus because you would lose all of that money. Yeah, and Mulan's too much of a big money maker. Yeah, I think twenty twenty one maybe if God willing everything is okay by then the biggest movie year of all time. You know, I'm kind of mad because in the beginning, I think it was like January, I bought one of those giant uh, buckets from AMC where it was only like five bucks to refill it. And it was like 30 bucks. So (laughs) how many times have you used it? How many times have you used the total? Just once? Um, Okay. I went to the theater maybe four times this year. That's tough. Yeah, so it's I and one of the times I didn't even get to bring it because I was I was out of town, but I was just like, man, I'm so mad. Maybe they'll extend it. They'll let you like, <laughs> You're carry funny. it over. <laughs> AMC, <laughs> AMC doing something nice for their customers. Let's be uh, serious. The only perk is that they're holding our uh, our stubs. Yeah, that's yeah. the only perk. That's been great, actually. I, w- I kind of enjoy. I mean, I'm all for paying for it again when we can get to, like, go back to normal. Mm-hmm. But it has been nice to have that, like, at least for us, that, like, $23. And I think it's $0.95 yeah. cents that I spend a month um, back in my pocket just to at least have it. Because I've been spending more money just on food and groceries. Like, groceries are expensive. Um I so feel yeah, like the good. prices have risen. So It's good to save a few bucks. All right. So we'll see what happens with the rest of the year. Moving on to... A big horror trailer was released over the weekend. Terrifier 2. Art, Art, the, Art the Clown is back. Uh, Meg, have you seen Terrifier 1? No, I hate clowns. <laughs> oh, Even more of a reason to watch it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's good. It's, but it's a little intense. <laughs> it's probably the best sla- pure slasher film I've seen in a very long time. It is gr- gruesome. Yeah, it's gory. It's, yeah. it's pretty gory. Um, it's really fun though. It's absolutely in particular. There's this one scene that's very anti-woman, in a way. <laughs> very uh, intense. Very intense scene. Ah, uh, it's a split crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that's seen it will have gotten yeah. Deep's joke. But the second trailer looks so 
just as just as intense. It looks really fun, and it should be out twenty twenty one. I think it'll be I out next year. I believe so. I don't. Th- it didn't have a release date yet. Because I think oh. uh, Terrifier one was just VOD, so right, it was, just it was on, on Netflix, Netflix. So it should. I think Terrifier two will probably follow suit. So, that but can it. I just say, yes. David Howard Thornton is like the nicest guy in the world. I've so seen, the fact that he pulls it off. I've seen him on. I've not seen him. I've heard him on so many podcasts, and he comes off exactly what you, like what you said. He sounds so so nice, and I. I'm surprised he hasn't re- been to Monster Mania yet. I can't wait to meet him just to have a conversation with him. Um, New Year's Eve, my buddy Scott runs a um <clears throat> runs a convention and he had a New Year's event. Oh, Pop Rock so, and Horror, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. So he, uh, he, David was there, Felissa was there, Beverly uh, Randolph was there, like a bunch of people, and that's that's where I got to meet him. He was just like the nicest guy, like joking around with all of us, and it's just like. But 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 you play this guy. <laughs> it's like when we met Robert Englund. Robert Englund is the oh, nicest human Robert being Englund. ever. Um and yes. uh what's what's her name? The nun. Oh, uh Bonnie so nice. Bonnie I forgot her last name. Yeah, I forgot her last name. But Let's she is super duper but nice. So nice. And she plays this like scary I mean, you don't want the nun in your house. Like just that mm. visual and but so nice. Such yeah, a she's, nice person. She's great. And of course all the Jasons we've met. Kane Hodder. Oh, yeah. Kane Hodder's mm. great. So, yeah, uh, the trailer looks good. Be on the lookout for the movie next year. Now, the news, before we get to Comic-Con, the news Ryan has been so excited about. Um, Some Justice League news for you, Ryan. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yesterday, uh, the the greater tour, Zack Snyder released a first look at Superman in the black suit. And Is it really a first look? That's a great point, Jennifer, because all he did was plug in a black suit on Superman suit from Justice League. It's a Photoshop? It's a Photoshop. But cool. it still looks nice. It does, but $30 million doesn't get you that much nowadays. Shh, let us have this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I went through a debate yesterday because I, I jokingly posted on my personal Instagram about it and the Snyder stand. Uh, follow, followed up with me on it. And we went back and forth here and there. I, I, it, it, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Like the amount of praise they give this this guy that's never done anything great in his entire career outside of maybe Dawn of the Dead. It, Watchmen, no. Watchmen is a good movie, but it's after seeing the new Watchmen, it just oh, shows show. how well, sub how subpar his Watchmen is as opposed to the well, Watchmen we the got. Story, I mean, Damon Lindelof is a storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. He, he crafts this narrative and he fills in the holes as best as you can. Maybe Lost isn't the best example towards I the end. I was about to say, but I also think he kind of left towards the end too. I can't remember now, but but all jokes aside, yeah. I mean, it doesn't look good. I know that there needs to be a lot more touch up to it, but it just doesn't look good to me personally. Ryan, did you get a chance to see it? I saw it. It looks like a damn Snapchat filter. (laughs) I swear that's what I thought when I first saw it. Meg, what about you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it kind of does. I mean, yeah, I liked seeing it, but I agree. I think at this point he was just throwing everyone a bone. Like, here, here's just something to hold you over until we have something proper to show. I agree. And I think it's going to be at uh, DC's kind of Comic-Con. 
uh, in August. I think it's August 22nd. That fandom? DC yeah, it's a fandom. fandom. So uh, at there, they're going to uh, announce if it's going to be a full movie or it's going okay. to be a... I know Jim Lee teased a little bit about how he's been super busy. He hasn't been able to post on Instagram much and draw because he's been super busy wrapping up projects for the for fandom. For their con. So we'll yeah. be covering it and we'll see what news comes up from there. I don't have much hype for it. It's 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 so much hype for me. Here's my my two cents on it. It's so much hype for something that may only be a little bit better than what we got. That's kind of where I'm at. I don't I don't first I don't really think it's going to be anything special. Do you think we should have had? You think it would have served? Um, it would have fared better had we had better directors. Yeah, oh, no. like oh. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, I think. Chris, I think Christopher. Like, how different would this movie be if it had been a Christopher Nolan? It's funny you say that because Chris, Christopher, I always I feel get like it would have been more dramatic when, when I argue a debate with no with Snyder stands about the. DCEU, they're like they always throw at me. Uh, but Christopher Nolan was involved with Man of Steel. I'm like, but Zack Snyder directed it, and it's his vision, <laughs> right? Well, what did he do? He just wrote it, right? Uh, Christopher Nolan. Write? No, he Christopher Nolan it. writes good movies, not garbage. Oh, so he produced. It. <laughs> yeah, he had the Tim Burton. Except role. that puppet movie you made me watch. That's he didn't direct that. Okay, wow. Well. Um, so Dave made me watch some marionette puppet thing. But why did I do that? Because Christopher Nolan <laughs> know, was going to be there. there, and it's probably the closest <laughs> I'll ever get to Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Uh, I'll never forget it. <laughs> but yeah, go, going to that, I think if we had a good director or Kevin Feige or someone that knew what the hell he was doing, I think they'd be in a better position, which I think now that Snyder's not really too involved with DC outside of what he's doing with Justice League, I think they've improved substantially. So I'm just happy that we're finally going to get to see the vision that we were supposed to see. Like, that's really why I'm so hyped up on it, because mm-hmm. what we saw wasn't what we were meant to see so now we're finally getting that chance and it's kind of gonna it may you know it, it could be it could be crap not not, not gonna deny it but it could change the way we look at the entire universe it could be but i i'm i'm with you i don't think it's going to be garbage i think it's going to just be a little bit better that's kind of where what if it comes out worse yeah, like, then we will this, forget it exists. Yeah, like, you don't think the studio is still having a hand in what they're going to let him do? I yeah. feel like they're the Absolutely. one that's going to pay for all this. They're paying so, for like, this. Yeah, they're still going to tell him. So, is it really his true vision? It. I think it all. It will be decided with what the final product will be. Is if it's a full movie or if it's a miniseries. If it's a miniseries, then you know Warner's is still involved. Mm-hmm. If it's a movie, then maybe he has a little bit more pull than some of us may may think. But I, I also think he doesn't know the characters he's writing. I mean, look at his Superman. You want to make a dark Superman, that's fine. But you you want to have a Superman that kills people. You want, you want to have a Superman that... The most illogical thing I've seen in a comic book movie, and this is fake people, like superheroes that fly and do really crazy shit. The most illogical thing I've seen in a superhero movie in quite some time is in Man of Steel when Clark, Superman, the fastest man in the world, has his father there mm-hmm. in a tornado. Mind you, he's faster than the speed of light. He can just go grab him, and he can just, you know, no one will ever know he's Superman. And he just lets his father die. It is so fucking illogical because of the fact that Jonathan Kent dies in the comic books with a heart attack. The only thing Clark Kent, Superman, cannot control. control. Yeah. Yeah. But here in this movie, you're going to let him die 
when Clark has full control and you're going to have these Zack Snyder assholes come at me and tell me that he's a great director and makes great decisions into characters. Get the fuck out of here, man. Get out of here. Has anyone ever defended that? Yes. A lot of people have defended that. There are people that come that consistently think that I'm a Zack Snyder hater and I'm not. I just like good stories being told. And when we we're going to we're going to get to great stories being told at the Dark Knight trilogy where I think the <laughs> Dark Knight trilogy is the best and worst thing that ever happened to DC and we're going to get into that in, in a little bit. So uh, we talked about Justice League more than it deserves. So let let's just move on right now. <laughs> well, also because Nolan used good stories as the basis for his mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like he used like um, you know, the killing joke for the Joker's backstory. Very good. I have that in my notes for like the Dark Knight. He used actual good comic book stories in that. Like, did Snyder use any of those for his faces? Probably I don't. Not. I don't know a story where Superman killed people. So, and this is coming from a super like there has there's only been one like two, one or two great Superman movies, and one of them involves him spinning the Earth in time and going back in time. Which is just as ridiculous, but uh, this tops it all in terms of stupid decisions. But yeah, now let's get to SCCC. I want to start off with some of the big announcements. We'll start off with The Walking Dead because Meg is our walking. Wait, real quick. Yes. How did you feel? How did you like this format? Um, this would Virtual have been panels. this would have hopefully been my first year at the convention. We've been covering it for four years, but this is the first year I was personally planning on going. I think this is really solid stuff because I probably would have seen more Hall H panels virtually than I probably would have been able to get in. Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't personally think I would even have interest of making a line to go see The Walking Dead because I don't watch the show. But now right. with the virtual, I was able to actually sit down and watch it and it was actually pretty entertaining. I like that aspect of it. But I, it, obviously I missed the camaraderie of just meeting people like waiting and, and waiting i like waiting sitting. online what can i say i really like and the hike <laughs> and the hike running around doing nope. sweating like we, thrill of ca- carrying that backpack in every package exactly. you buy like meg you go to new york comic-con right oh yeah it's it's such a thrill of like running around and getting to point a to point b making sure you yeah. get your main stage panels making sure you get to the garden it's, it's definitely it's, not for everyone though so and it's not just that it's the energy yeah the energy of the crowd. And I know cares. And I know what's coming in the next few weeks with New York, and I know it's going to be virtual. We already are very, mm-hmm. you know. Bummer. It's a bummer. We know it's coming. But at least, you know, seeing how San Diego did it, I think New York may give us the same thing with the panels. Right. So it should be still an entertaining time. Do you think there would have been fun to have a few, um, like, live panels where they could have a moderator? Well, that was the Q&A? only bummer. That was the only bummer, that everything was taped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get why it was all taped um, because you definitely don't want any like technology malfunctions or any troubleshooting in the moment. And everybody has all these different schedules and they're and, you know, different devices. So it's so hard to account for everything all at once without making, you know, for letting it to be perfect. But I think that would have been nice. So maybe if something happens again next year, which hopefully it doesn't. I hope not. Don't um, say that. Yeah. It, uh, It'll be something else that they can look into. Agreed. Uh, and in terms of, so tell me about The Walking Dead. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say my piece, and I'm gonna let Meg take over because I don't know I don't know half the stuff she does about The Walking Dead. So from what I got, it seems like it's very. There's so much passion still left from the cast that I really did like seeing. Like I, I haven't really been into the show in a very long time, so 
I don't know who I was writing about this in my writer for it. And w- what's the thing you asked me, Jen? Who is the the alpha and oh, who's beta? Who's beta like, and who is alpha? And I'm like, oh shit, it's Gary Bertier from Remember the Titans. Yep. And I was like, oh, so I guess he's oh, he's a, on the show. Now? He's the guy that plays beta. Oh, yeah. So the big giant. And from seeing him at Monster at the Monster Mania Con, yeah, he is tall. huge. Yeah, he is he's a huge, huge man. Um, yes. I got that from it that he's a big baddie now but i also like that maggie's coming back which is pretty cool and the fact the big the big announcement before meg takes over is that the season finale will be october 4th at 9 p.m the usual time and then we're getting six more episodes in 2021 which i think it's just a way of letting fans have something because we're not getting a season 11 until probably the summer to October of 2021. Right. Cause so, it's not in production yet. So Meg take over. All right. So just kind of piggyback on what you just said. I think they're going to wind up just having season 11 come out in October of next year because they always like their seasons always come out the weekend of Comic-Con. So Columbus day weekend. So I think that's what's going to happen. Okay. But um, first off for the walking dead, uh, the first panel of the day was fear the walking dead gonna keep it on gonna keep these uh recap short and sweet because i know we have a lot to talk about today uh season six is going to be premiering october 11th uh which is usually the weekend that the walking dead premieres so it's a week after the walking dead finale um they're going to be having a much darker season this year with kind of anthology style episodes so like episode one will maybe focus on character one and two episode two three and four you know so on and so forth um they tried this i think one to two seasons ago and at first it didn't really work but then when you realized what they were doing it seemed to work out really well um and they only got about half the season or so shot before covid so they're really hoping to get back real soon to get that since we only have like what two months now before the season premieres um okay regular walking dead you already mentioned when the finale date and the six extra episodes um we kind of talked about this before the show started about how the six extra episodes will work because we're going to see the actual finale on the fourth by the six extra episodes so what my theory is is that it might just kind of bridge the gap between uh 10 and 11 kind of has uh in gamer terms dlc um but i feel like kind of like what you said they're kind of giving it back to the fans because the fans know how badly we've wanted this and how i don't want to say we were robbed because it's not like it was anything under their control but we're getting something and i'm ecstatic for it and the second i saw maggie come back on the screen i cried because i love her character so much um oh also uh scott m gimple who is the kind of the chief content creator of the entire universe. He stated that they're actually in development of telling stories of past characters. So kind of like they've been up like Dave, I'm sure you've seen episodes in the past where they kind of focus on certain characters and telling their story pre-apocalypse. Yes. Okay. That's kind of what they're looking to do with more characters, but they didn't give any additional info because they tease us like crazy. I don't think the walking dead's ever going to (laughs) end. And I am fine with that. I think, I think we're going to be like 95 years old. And j- so funny- I tried watching it once, like tried watching the first episode and it was a little, a little slow for me. So I didn't, I kind of just stopped and this was like years ago, but I feel like we're at this point that it's like really hard for someone to come in and start. Maybe, I don't know. You think? 
Um, I think if you like, if you just start with like episode like eleven of a season, yeah, you're done for. But if you start with a season premiere and you like, even if you just go on YouTube and watch season recaps, like if you start with if you if you want to start watching the season ten premiere and that's how you want to start watching the show, go on YouTube and watch recaps of the first nine seasons and you'll be fine. Yeah, because, like, I feel like I still would want to start from the beginning, but I feel like it's such a daunting task, right? Like, so I'm a Grey's Anatomy fan, and I've been watching. I actually came into the show when it was ready, like, on season four, but I only had four seasons that I needed to, like, three seasons before that that I had to binge, and I've been watching ever since, like, live. But then, like, I tried watching – I'm a friend of the show, uh, Adrian. She loves Supernatural, and so she's mm-hmm. like, you got to watch Supernatural. So I tried watching. I got to season four, and I haven't been able to keep up. Not because I didn't like it, but just because I felt like it was so da- – it's so daunting to get mm-hmm. into 15 seasons, and then there are still things that I don't – and she's like, did you get to this? Did you get to that yet? I'm like, no, I haven't gotten <laughs> there yet um, because all these characters are so intricate. So, like, I would still want to start at one but I feel like it's so overwhelming. It's, it's kind of also why I haven't started Doctor Who. It's not Doctor Who is like The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is also. I mean, if you do do start it, you don't have to worry about twenty two episodes because it's not one of those right. shows. Oh, I was about to say okay. the same thing. It's uh, a first 10, season 13? is six. Uh, the first season is six episodes. Oh, the second season is like thirteen, and every other season is like sixteen episodes. Yep. Okay, that sounds yeah, too bad. It's then. not all right. It's not as we're not. It's not network television. Yeah, it's not network television. Yeah, okay. they get away with it. And then, like you know, of course, there's like Fear the Walking Dead, which you don't have to watch it. Like at one point, one of the one of the characters does cross over to the other show, but it's not required to watch it to get into the Walking so Dead. So Fear is that just like a spinoff? Just a Fear is a prequel. So oh, like in prequel. the first episode of Fear, we actually see uh, what they call Patient Zero. Okay. Um, kind of like they say that like this person is kind of the one that started it all. So you mm. really see that like where Walking Dead starts six months into the apocalypse, Fear the Walking Dead shows the downfall of America. Interesting. Yeah, and now we're what like twenty years in with the fast forwarding of time. Um, we're about ten to ten to eleven years. I used to do a whole. I had to do like a whole study on the the timeline. Um, but we're about maybe eleven to twelve years into the apocalypse in total. Okay. Oh, and so this was one of my questions for David when I was reading, right? Because Maggie, Maggie, right? That's yeah, Laura, the, the yeah. actress from The Boy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she she comes back, right? And then Negan yes. killed her husband. But spoiler then, alert. Oh, why is it a spoiler alert? It's I'm not just, a spoiler. Oh, this I'm just happened joking. four years ago. <laughs> the show's been on long. All right. Well, whatever. And so, <laughs> but right, she's been gone this whole time. And what is that like in their time? Like six years, right? Six, six, uh, yeah, six years she's been gone. So how are they going to explain um, and now, her return? And now Negan is a good guy, right? Yes, now Negan is a good guy. So they, she left to go help another community. Oh, okay. And she just and left her husband? I would no, never he was leave dead already. Her husband he was died. dead already. Well, he died, you're right. But like, she left him there, right? In jail or something? No, she, no, Negan was in jail. No, Negan was in jail. When oh, she Negan left. was in yeah. jail when she left. Yeah. But then right. why did she, but why was Glenn still there? Glenn wasn't there. Glenn was dead. Glenn oh, he died. was already dead. Yeah. So she knew he yeah. was dead when she left. She, he killed. Glenn him. died in season seven yeah. and she left in season nine. Yeah. Oh, okay. He All killed, right. he mind, killed, ne- he killed Glenn. I was like, I would never leave David behind. Yeah, Negan killed Glenn <laughs> in the premiere of the finale. Yeah, a uh, premiere. The premiere of that the following yeah, season. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I remember all the news with it. Yeah. And I love Jeffrey oh, D. Morgan. So. Fun fun fact, Mike, so I the day I quit The Walking Dead forever, 
was the day they uh fake they pretty much bait and switched that Glenn under the um dumpster dumpster. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, man. That was so bad. And the fact that you removed him from the credits. It was. I mean, and we probably all knew he wasn't dead. But just the fact that they played along with it for weeks upon weeks, I'm like, come on, man. And then he died three weeks later. Yeah, yeah, that that's perfect. Um, and can you can you go into if you have any information on the new show that's coming? I do have a, I didn't get to see that entire panel. I had to step out. Um, but I did get a little information. Um, so it's when we first heard about the news about the show, we all thought it was going to be another spinoff, just like Fear was. Um, however, it's a limited series. We're only going to get it for two seasons. Okay. Uh, it's going to premiere October 4th, literally right after The Walking Dead. Um, now, in Walking Dead, where we already started, like I said, six months into the apocalypse, um, it's not going to start kind of like that. But rather, like the stars of the show, they were kids that grew up within the, the apocalypse. Like This is the only world they ever really knew. Mm. Um, so my theory is that... Actually, I'll get into my theory afterwards. Um, the showrunner teased kind of like big reveals because um, anybody who watches the show knows that there's this logo that you see in all three shows where it's three rings kind of intertwined. Um, possibly that this group, I think maybe like this group might have the cure, but kind of going into my theory, what I was saying, I think the limited series of Walking Dead World Beyond is going to it's going to tie more into the Rick Grimes movies than the actual series gotcha. based on the sh- when the show is occurring and what we've learned so far. But you know, I could be wrong cause they don't tell us anything. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. So thanks for that information. Uh, some other panels I wanted to touch on was the new mutants absolutely playing us. Yeah. There was no new information there. <laughs> uh, it was a fun the panel. Pa- it was fun to see how old everyone looks as opposed to the actual footage from the movie. <laughs> they didn't say anything about a release date. So as far as we know, August 28th, yeah, yeah, August- it's still on still a go guys. It's, it's so sad. It's so sad. The, the, we did see the opening scene of the movie, which pretty looks pretty good. It doesn't look that bad at all. I, I was talking to Meg off the line that it could be one of those, um, situations where, it's not going to be as bad as Dark Phoenix. But Meg said there's so much hype right now that it may just be really, really bad because of the hype. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I mean, they didn't really offer too much outside of the first few minutes of the movie, which is it does look pretty decent. Uh, the other panel, the two of the best panels I saw during the weekend so far was the Bill and Ted Face and Music panel. That was a good panel. Uh, it was uh, hosted by Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith needs to host every single panel for the rest of time. <laughs> it, it's when you have someone that has such passion for the film or the show, it just comes off so much better. Yeah, I'm not a really big Bill and Ted fan. I saw the movie; it's fun, but I really, 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 really was not a fan. After this panel, I'm all in. It looks <sighs> like they had such a great time making this movie, and mm-hmm. I love the praise that Alex Winter got from everybody because honestly Keanu had the bigger career of the two right but Keanu mm-hmm. even spoke high, so highly of Alex saying that nothing compares to working on a Bill and Ted movie and having the chemistry that he has with Alex Aww. and that wow. was really yeah. nice of him to say um they also spoke about what we can expect from the movie Kevin Smith saw the movie and he talked about how it's it, yes it's funny but it's very emotional 
and he cried, but Kevin Smith cries for every he movie. <laughs> so we'll take that with a grain of salt. But I'm very, very hyped to see the movie. I will be there on VOD when it comes out on September 1st, I believe. So I, I believe that's Labor Day weekend. Now I heard it's only 78 minutes. Is that true? They didn't speak on length. But if it is, ah, wow, that actually pre- would be pretty surprising. I expected like a 90-minute movie because the first two are about 85 to 90 minutes. So if they if it is seventy eight, you would I mean it wouldn't completely shock me because the other two are are relatively short. Mm-hmm. And while Jen looks that up, I'll I'll move on to the next panel. Was the <laughs> was last night's Kevin Smith panel? I felt like Rye, you saw the panel. I feel like it was more of a year in review kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. It was just like here's what's going on in my life. Yeah, and oh, one hour and eighteen minutes. Wow, that's yeah. pretty. 78 minutes. It, it, minutes. it already has three reels on my review just for being 78 <laughs> and minutes. And just so you know, so like the first movie was an hour 31. Yeah, they're not. And then the second one was two hours. Well, that one was two hours? Two hours. I wow. could have sworn it was 130. So probably That's one of those ones it. I like the second one more than I like the You first. like Bogus more than, than Excellent? And to be honest, a little confession, Bogus as a kid scared me. You know he's in it, right? William Sadler's playing. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. That's one thing about this this movie that excites me. They were talking about one of you know each of their cast members' favorite moments of filming, and William Sadler actually said, "When I got to be with Keanu and Alex for the first time in what twenty something years, being on set with them for the first time, and all that really hit him emotionally. So that's that's pretty awesome. And then the Kevin Smith panel is just the best of. What is he selling us? All right, so Kev is selling us the yeah. fan club, which I am a current member of. Kev is which also. Which are you? I am Mallrat. Mallrat? Okay. Yeah. What is that, $15 I, a month? The $15 a month. Well, I'm not going to be a yoga hoser. I'm not paying $30 a month. <laughs> I love Kevin Smith, but no. Um, he also so pushed. So, for those of us who don't know, what is it? So, Kevin Smith's fan club, I. A couple of years ago, he took off the old Fat Man on Batman podcast off iTunes or po- Apple Podcasts. And I've been trying to get a hold of them for a very long time. He moved to SoundCloud, I believe, and you had a you had to have like an account, so on and so forth. What he ended up doing was when he announced the Kevin Smith fan club, he put his entire archive of every podcast he's been doing since 2007 on there. Yeah. So you have free access, and well, not free. You have paid tiered access to all those podcasts. On top of that, you have depending on the tier you're in, if you're in the mall rats or yoga hosers, you get script copies, you get pins, you get little some swag get provided to you. Uh, Kev also does videos two times a week, like a wake and bake kind of thing where he just mm-hmm. bullshits and talks to fans. And for fans of Jay and Silent Bob Seeker Stash, you get a 25% off coupon every single month that you can use throughout the and month. And this really just started now in March. Yeah, so it started about March, April. As someone who lives in Jersey, that's tempting. Yeah, it, it honestly is because I actually tried it out yesterday on something that was already on sale. Uh, the Seeker Stash posted a reboot poster signed by Kevin and Jay for like 30 bucks, And I put in the code and it worked. And I didn't buy it. I was just curious about what the price was. But with shipping, it came out to like 20-something dollars. And that's, that's not, not that's not bad at all. Mm-mm. And I believe it's a 26 by 40 poster. But it's, you know, for Kevin Smith fans like myself, it's pretty, pretty pretty awesome i mean i wrote about it in my write-up on the on the panel how like i'm the most obsessed kevin smith fan you'll meet outside of ryan (laughs) (laughs) except for ryan i mean because of ryan kev kevin had a uh, jenny and i got married in a theater and 
because of Ryan, he was able to get Kevin to report record a message that played in the big screen. Yeah. In the yeah, movie theater. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm as big a fan and he's the reason that I'm recording a podcast right now. So he's the inspiration that I have for it. Um, but yeah, uh, outside of that, he talked about the the show that he's doing with his family that Jenny loves. Son in lockdown. It's hilarious. Oh, I'm really I really hope they make it to the end. They've been um, Same. They've been making a lot of money for charity. And I, you know, I don't watch any of the other shows that have been created for the celebrity lockdown. Um, I really only watch these guys because Kevin Smith, I follow. I follow Austin. Mm -hmm. I follow Harley. So every time it pops up, I'm really excited to watch. And it's just funny. It's just like the fact that like he just let Harley's boyfriend, first of all, move in this entire time for quarantine. (laughs) Obviously, understandably so, because young love and all that. But they seem really cute together. And then the fact that they just created this like show yeah and, and they've been ha- filming at home and they incorporate everybody in the show harley and harley and kev have very good timing they have very good comedic yeah timing. like they're really really yeah. cute so um yeah so the show's been really good so i hope it goes through to the end yep he also spoke about the movies pop-up that yep. now we can get here in new jersey you can order it through gold belly for 79 dollars. you get a kit um to make six burgers and uh, and some chocolate covered pretzels, chocolate which covered was hilarious. Pretzels, which is pop, um, some swag, and no rye. You don't get a donkey with it. So probably by the end of it, with sh- <laughs> probably by the end of it with shipping, you'll probably end up spending at least a hundred bucks. Yeah, but it um, may be it may be worth it just to have movies, but just to try it once, just the one time, once at one time. Cool. And then the other thing that he released was the trailer to his new movie. And Ryan, you wanted to talk about What's that? The, name of the, the floor is yours. Kilroy was here. Um, no, it looked interesting. I mean, it, it has Ralph Garman, it has his kid, it has Muse, and it has a uh, personal favorite wrestler of mine, Chris Jericho, in it. So when my two favorite worlds cross over again, you know I'm happy. And it has your favorite genre in it, horror, so I'm sure you're happy, Dave. It's a, um, it's a horror. Is this like Tusk? It, no, it's a horror anthology. It's a horror comedy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's actually, Ooh, I love those already. Yeah, it's... It's um anything it, but Tusk. Yeah, anything but Tusk. I love Kevin. It looks Tusk. more like Yoga Hoser Z. Yeah, like, oh, that's okay, actually. Then I think I'll like it. It it looks like a blend, and Jenny and Meg may have seen this Yoga movie. Hosers. It looks like a blend of a comedy and that scary stories to tell in the dark or whatever it was okay. called. The one we saw last year. Yeah. It looks like a a middle Austin. a middle ground of that. Yeah, actually, there you go. Harley's boyfriend. Yeah, and a middle ground of that. So it looks fun. I can't. I Kev teased that actually is coming back for a second. Film. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Kev teased that it will be out twenty tw- late twenty twenty early twenty twenty one, depending okay. on how everything goes with the world. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then he teased a five hundred dollar Iron Bob statue that I want. He did, but you're not getting. <laughs> and Dem- uh, domestic bliss. You already live you on already, the podcast. You hit your quota for like five years with a Joker statue that you have purchased. Okay. That is well <laughs> and above five hundred dollars. Okay. So, um. No, but he talked about what is he doing with Netflix? Oh yes, Motu. So he's doing a Master of the Universe Netflix animated series. I was and say what is Motu? <laughs> so he's working on it with Mark Bernard and Mark Bernard and Mark Bernard is writing the show with him, and it's going to be an animated series that for fans of Master of the Universe, the original animated series will be a follow up. So it's not a complete reboot. Kev emphasizes very, very much throughout the the panel, saying that it's not gonna shit on the past it's just going to continue the story so that should be out i don't think it's going to be out till 2022 because they can't get in yeah. right now to do anything with the animation and stuff like that so and right are you are you into that 
Um, no, but now I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then he talked very, very vaguely about Twilight of the Mallrats, which will be the follow-up to Mallrats. I mean... Which is going on... What is that service called? The A, the... Wait, I'm not... What are you talking about, right? The movie? The movie, yeah. It's well, yeah, like the, the... the Blu-ray is getting the Arrow video release, and then Arrow. that'll be out, I believe, in the fall. So that, that'll be something to look for. I think you can pre-order on arrowvideo.com and Amazon as well. So that covers the Kevin Smith. Today, we will finish up Comic-Con with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 30-year anniversary and a panel of my favorite current comedy on TV, The Goldbergs. Yep. And there's a lot more content on the site, so definitely go up and check it out. Um you did other panels, Charlize Theron. Yeah, I did a whole bunch of stuff that you can We're check out. Have a Constantine write up. Yep. So uh, you can check those out. More. You can check those out on the site and our Instagram. So we're at this point, we're ready for New York. Now, New York. We're going to miss it. I'll so miss much. it. I'll miss camping out at four o'clock in the morning. I won't miss getting up, but, you know, when you've gotten used to it and David makes you wait on a line for everything. <laughs> um, you become accustomed to a life, and so it becomes very sad when you don't get to do that. Meg, this is I just this is what I canceled bliss. my hotel yesterday. Oh, you? Uh, oh, because you're down by the shore, so it makes sense that you were you're gonna stay. Yeah, in. I get a hotel like up by the uh, Sea Caucus train station. Okay, so that's an easy into the city. Easy. Yeah. It's a ten minute into the city, and I just I canceled the hotel yesterday, and I was just oh god, it was so sad. Everything up generally city. whereabouts. Uh, whereabouts in the shore? Yeah, generally. I'll tell you off. off uh, yeah, yeah, let's off. yeah, we're not going to give our addresses, <laughs> right? Generally. So I live at 123 Main Street. That's what I meant. Uh, in between. In between, gotcha. I'll All tell right. you. So. Yeah, Ryan, let it go. She's in central Jersey. <laughs> there you go. Ryan. That's what it is. Oh, that's what exist. I meant. My I bad. Just not exist. <laughs> she, she's, she's in either North Jersey, Central, or South Jersey. There you go, Ryan. She's in one of those three. Um, but before we get to the Dark Knight, no, no. I didn't want to do too many movie taglines, but I did still want to have this game. There's oh, only... I forgot to do mine to you, bring you, it to you. You can do it next week. <laughs> we only have six, and we're gonna run through them real quick. Six too many. Yep. So I'm gonna start. <laughs> I'm gonna start with Ryan. Ryan, here you go. No gut, no glory. Dodgeball? No. Any guesses? Blades of glory? No. Meg, <laughs> any guesses? Uh, just to keep with the glory theme, glory? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Incredibles. Aww. Jen, you're welcome. Oh, God. Um... I feel like it's definitely a movie I've seen. Oh, uh, you've absolutely seen this movie. So I know that that's probably and why. Your, and your hint, it's in the 2010s. That's your hint. So That's it's, a really crappy hint. It's relatively new. Oh, God, I don't know. Any Pass. guesses, Brian? Uh, no idea. And Meg, any guesses? I'm just going to guess the genre. It sounds like it would be a comedy. You are half right. All right I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, never. That's horrible tagline. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what this movie. I've never seen this movie, but I don't. Meg, you're up. I don't know if you've seen this either. He broke her heart. She broke his everything. This uh, is this is a heartbreak a, hit. No, uh, you're in the right area, right ballpark though. Jen, this is a movie. Ryan won't get it, so if you don't get this, I'll just oh. say it. Oh, I had a guess too. It sounds you, familiar. 
Yeah, you probably like this garbage. I'm pretty sure you like this garbage. I'm sure it's fantastic. Oh, I have to tell everybody on the podcast what I bought, but I'll do that next. You can do that after. Um, He broke. Oh, God. I don't know. All right, Ryan, what's your guess? My super ex-girlfriend? That is correct. Oh. Oh, all right. Oh, you didn't think I was going to know. I did not know that. I I apologize, Ryan. I am proud of you. David lives to doubt us. But you're not going to get this one, Ryan, because I've never heard of this movie until I got this, this tagline here. They're going to save the world as long as they're home for dinner. Um, this this sounds familiar too. Um, oh my god, I I had never heard it until I picked this uh picked it for the for the taglines. Um, uh, as long as they're home for dinner. Um, I give up. I don't know. All right, any any guesses? Spy Kids. Uh, no. God, I knew that was a good guess though. Yeah. What about you, Meg? Any guesses? I know I've seen. I know I've heard this, but I can't. I can't think of it. Zoom. I. Zoom. Duh. Yes, it's two thousand six. It's two thousand six. I don't think movie. I've seen this. All right, two yeah. more. Jen, the battle within. <laughs> we're um, one for we're one for four here. The battle within. Um. Any guesses? Nope. All right. Any guesses from you guys? I'm just gonna throw the you know wave the white flag right now. All right, and Rye, <laughs> what's that uh one where with all the emotions that new that newer anim- the Pixar one the no. emoji movie no uh uh Inside, jo- oh, out. Inside, Inside Out Inside Out Inside yeah. Out incorrect Spider Man three I was gonna say spy- a Spider Man movie but I was like no and Meg I think you got the easiest one and the last one it's not who he is underneath but what he does that defines him. I feel like it's a Batman or Spider-Man movie. How badly did I miss that? <laughs> You're very, very close. Um. Oh God, can I get a little more of a hint? Uh, it's a Batman or Spider-Man movie. That's the okay. same hint, David. I know, That's literally same hint. Um. I think Ryan. Repeat it again. I know it. I'm gonna give it to Ryan. Ryan, take us home. Batman Begins. Very good. Which is a... I was gonna think that I was gonna guess that one. Damn it. Which is a perfect segue to our topic this week, which is dun, the Dark dun, Knight dun. trilogy. So I put this on the table for this week because it is 15 years since the release of the Dark of Batman Begins, and we did not do an episode for it. So I figured let's cover the entire trilogy. So before we get started. I'm going to start with Jen, who has is probably the least enthused about Batman Begins. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Batman Begins? This is true. Uh, it is a good origin story, and I have come around to it. But for me, it's just a little slow. I do love the cast. There's no denying that this trilogy overall, and, in, and starting with Batman Begins, Nolan has assembled a great cast. I think he led the bar. I think he led the way really for everyone else, right? Like look at what Marvel has done and who they have cast as their superheroes. And he did it first. And I think Mm -hmm. with that, it's all started with Batman Begins because I mean, look at who you got. You got Michael Caine, Christian Bale, because Christian Bale was doing great films before this. Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Liam Neeson Neeson as like Liam Neeson. Like, you know, he, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he and, just does. Uh, and like, she was big at the time, Katie Holmes. 
she yeah. yes yes because of Dawson's Creek but I, w- I don't know that I would put her in the same caliber of acting as no, everyone no, else. No, 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 So that's why she wasn't really on my list for this. But, you know, like, he assembled all of these people that were able to tell a different story than what we've seen before. Yep. Something that we haven't seen in years because the last film was, was Batman, Batman and Robin. Robin. And I have that, in, and, I have that you know, in my notes. So for me, it is not my favorite. My favorite in the trilogy is The Dark Knight. I've said it before. Oh, it's my will, favorite too. I will continue to say it because for me, I feel like it's the strongest of all three. Um, and not just because Heath Ledger is the Joker and he's no, but the whole one of the best performances just, of all time. It's just everything. A good yeah, mo- it's a great movie. I think even if you didn't watch Batman Begins and you didn't watch The Dark Knight Rises, you could watch just The Dark Knight and be left with so to d- the only impression. So before we move to Meg and, and Ryan, mm. to differentiate the Batman Begins to the Dark Knight, I look at it like this. Batman Begins, despite the realness of the world, still feels like a superhero movie. The Dark Knight does not at all feel like a superhero movie outside of him wearing a cape and cowl. Right. It feels like a, a modern... It's a modern-day crime thriller. That's what the Dark Knight is to me, and that's why I think it's the best comic book movie of all time and we'll get into that in a little bit but meg thoughts on the batman begins um well like kind of like what we talked about last week um you know i did rank it kind of high on my list but batman begins is actually my favorite of the trilogy um i mean it has the best on-screen death of the waynes which i kind of mentioned last week uh the only thing i disliked about the movie is the fight sequences like they were a little too choppy and they were kind of poorly shot agreed i'll I'll give you that as well but you know what i one thing i loved about it is that it also works really well if it was just a standalone film and not part of a trilogy yep i agree i i like like the final scene where we see the joker card it could have just hinted at like the future of batman like not necessarily as a lead into the dark knight and it had like a solid beginning middle and end where it just fit perfectly as if they were like, okay, well, we're done with Batman. We'll revisit it in like 20 years. Awesome. Rye, what about you? It's funny because I used to be just like Jenny on this one. I used, I used to not <laughs> like it. <laughs> but, you left me. But now I love it. Now it's number two for me. Now it's just below the Dark Knight. Like I can watch it over and over again, which I kind of have this week, just <laughs> to prepare for this list. Yeah, Begins is my f- third favorite Batman movie. So it's why are you shaking your head, Jennifer? Breaking my heart. Why? Burton. Burton is number two. Ah, uh, Burton and, is nostalgia for me. And Dark Knight is number one. But yeah, I'm with you. I remember walking into that theater the first time I saw it, and I'm like, all right, here we go. I like Christopher Nolan a lot. I like Insomnia. Can can we get a good Batman movie? Because I love Batman and Robin, but it's not a good movie at all. Uh, And it was amazing. And we got what we got with the trilogy. Uh, Going into the production, Jenny kind of teased it off with the reception to Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Batman Forever made money, but it was poorly received by critics and Batman and Robin did mm-hmm. not make any money, and it was also panned by the critics. It pretty much killed the franchise until 2003 when Warners hired Christopher Nolan to direct an untitled Batman film, and David S. Goyer signed on to write the script two months later. After that, Nolan sta- stated that his intention was to reinvent the film franchise completely and do in the origin story of the character, which we had never seen a Batman origin story 
on the big screen. We've seen it in the animated series, but never to a live action version. He wanted to put it in the real world. He wanted to uh, look at the humanity and the realism that would be the basis of an origin film rather than the pageantry of a man in a, in a, bat, in a cowl. In terms of style, he wanted to honor more Richard Donner's 1978 Superman rather than Burton's Batman. And as much as I love Burton's Batman, I understand exactly where he is going with that. He wanted to put it in the real world and focus on the man Bruce Wayne and Batman rather than just the pageantry. And I think if you guys watch the Burton verse, Burton loves his villains. I don't think he focuses that much on Batman. No. Not in return. I'll talk about that. <laughs> I'll talk about that in the next movie. <laughs> okay. No uh Nolan Nolan's previous films were pretty much an exercise in style and drama. So we kind of knew what we were getting when Nolan took over. In terms of the release, it released on June 15, 2005, with a budget of $150 million and a box office of 373.4. So it made decent amount made of money. money back. It was the money to, it made its money back and it made enough money to get the sequel made. In terms of our first category, the trophy room, it was nominated for only one Academy Award. Best Achievement in Cinematography. With cinematography in that movie is fantastic. And it only won one, two awards the entire season, which was at the Saturn Awards. It won Best Fantasy Film and Best Actor. And I'm sorry, Best Screenplay. So it did not really do as well as I expected when I started reading up and doing the research for this. But it still did pretty decently. Now, let's get to our categories. We have a brand new category this week that I am surprised and very disappointed in myself that I haven't done yet on these reel it backs. We're going to play that funky music, white boy, and talk about the music of the movie. Hans, oh, Zim Hans Zimmer scored the film. And while I think it's very different to the Bat March that Danny Elfman and, and Goldenthal created with Batman, Batman Returns, Forever, and Batman and Robin, I think the score is excellent. And I think with him, it progressively gets better as the movies go on, the trilogy goes on. His score is phenomenal in The Dark Knight Rises, but I think this is a good stepping stone to the actual score of, this, of the movie. Jen, what do you think of the music? Well, it's a supportive score to just that it's an overall darker, more dramatic story because yep. Danny Elfman, his music sort of rises, right? Like you get pumped when you hear that bat march and you're like, mm -hmm. you know, and like that has become... Like That's you, when you think Batman, I think that first because again, going back to the nostalgia and what I grew up with, that those Burton's Batmans were my Batman. Yep, That's what actually up. Ryan plays that Bat March when he walks into the bathroom. And yeah, like you every just day. play that. That's bat what March. I have my Guzman come out to to the wedding. So you're close enough. <laughs> Anything like that's all you need is like when you're driving, when you're like going for a job interview, like that is something that is uplifting. Hansi is a little different. He's more. Oh, you call him Hansi. Yeah, Hansi. She, she does call him Hansi. I call him Hansi because oh I never really knew about Hans Zimmer actually before. Like I've heard his music before in other films. She but probably I, didn't know that was Hans Zimmer. So I didn't at the time until you. And so, and then I actually made uh, David a, a Dark Knight mixtape of basically his favorite, a lot of Batman music. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot darker. It's a lot more. I think it supports the tone 
much like John Williams does with every film that he scores, it just perfectly hits in the right moments of the film. Um, and it just it it's just a lot darker. It's a lot stronger. I feel like you feel it, like you really feel it. Um, very good, pensive thinking yep. music. Ryan, what about you? What do you think of the score? Awesome. It's part of my age best. Spoiler alert. Um, but and no, it's just so well done. It's it, like you said, it gets better and better. For and I like for each cat how it has a little bit for each character. For Joker, I guess he has his own special one. For Batman, his own special one. For uh, and, and when we get to Dark Knight Rises, he has a special one for Bane as well. Mm-hmm. What about you, Meg? What do you think of the score? I mean, honestly, I before I met you guys, I never really paid too much attention to scores before. Oh, like, wow. obviously, music kind of, you know, you motivate it. Um, like, it motivates the path and, like, the emotions you're supposed to feel. But now, re-watching it as I actually paid attention to the music, it, it folk. how can I put this? It helps tell the story really well. And if I feel like if anyone else had done the score, it wouldn't have worked as well as it should have. I agree. And and the because I'm a very, very big fan of film scores. It's all I listen to when I'm in the office. I always look at it as the to show the importance of film scores is a story John Carpenter said when he first screened Halloween without a score and everyone hated it. And when he scored the movie, he played the same version of the movie with the score and everyone shit bricks on on halloween just to show the importance of a of a film score fun fact before we move on to the next category hans zimmer named all the tracks on the score after bats after types of bats (laughs) and the the first letters of tracks four to nine on the score spell batman so that did not know that pretty fun stuff Hmm. all right what's age best i'll kick it off bat science I think that's aged beautifully. The fact that they created, they made everything that he did believable. All the technology was believable that that they used in the movie. Like, I get it. It made sense that he bought all these different parts for the cow from like 45 different locations. And the first time it came, it doesn't work because that's year one Batman. It makes perfect sense. I don't like the Tumblr as the Batmobile. You don't like the Tumblr? I'm not a really huge fan of the Tumblr. But it's pretty cool still. I guess. And I then mean, we... he ha- he can have more than one car. He does. Yeah, I like. Mm-hmm. I actually like the bike in Dark Knight. I the like that much. Pod. The Bat Pod. That's I like my that. favorite. Yeah, I like that much more. And then we get the Bat. The Bat. What is it? Is that the Bat plane that looks like a lobster? It's just, it's just the Bat. Yeah, it looks like a lobster. Just... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that the the Bat science works as age really well. Um, I love Gordon and Batman's relationship origins. I love that they establish it from the start. We get their relationship as the focal point of Bruce's and Batman and Gordon. I don't think they did that very well in the other, other films, despite me loving them so much. Um, what else? What else? Uh, Christian Bale, Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. It's the best Bruce Wayne we've ever had. Uh, the score is fantastic. I actually do like Ra's al Ghul. I think Ra's al Ghul is really good. And that's all I have for age best. Jen, take it away. So, bat science was something that I thought of as well. Um, technology, like you see it in play. You see how he has all this money. He has all this ability. I love that they give him a partner in Lucius um, to be able to, he's like, he knows that it's not for what it what he's saying mm-hmm. it's for. And he's just like, all right. And he goes with it and he just creates all of it, all this technology. And you see it come into play um, later on. 
I believe it, it's in the Dark Knight where he's just like, I won't use this again. Like he's like, I don't want to use this, and he's like, just use it this one last time, and then you can destroy it. Um, I like the beginning of Batman and Gordon's relationship. I think you can't have Batman without having Jim Gordon in mm-hmm. any of these films. I feel like it's important. I feel like that's not something that's established the same in Tim Burton's Batman. Um, and in the other ones, it's just not there. But here you have real people like connecting and, and a partnership forming. And that's you actually, I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, we both have the same thing. And it kind of, that's something that we, we were talking about Justice League and Snyder before. That's kind of something that really irked me. You had this Justice League movie a few years ago in 2016 and there's no Gordon. Mm-hmm. It just really bothers me because they're they're one in this, they're together. Right. Their relationship is I mean, so crucial. Gordon is his connection to yeah, to everything. To everything mm-hmm. in as a a person in the nitty-gritty with yeah. everybody and someone that just wants to do good. And I think I think they establish it a little bit better probably in Gotham, but it's also a different it's just a different oh, story. I wish Gotham was a good it's show. It's just a different story. Um I think um, the fact that you see him training is a big thing in the movie. Just a, that, like, you really see him hone these abilities. You know, he is this guy. He's rich. He has this money. But, like, you need something behind it because you can't just be Batman. You might have these toys, but if you don't know how to use them or you don't know how to defend yourself or do that. Um, Liam Neeson. Just Liam Neeson. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Liam I great. think he's aged the best. I think you can't go wrong with having Liam Neeson in your movie. Um, maybe they're not always the best, but it's a good uh, thing. And I did actually put the tumbler because I thought it was kind of cool. You have a, a new car to show off. You have something that's a little more severe for when it may call for it. Um, and I think it was just something new that we saw on the big screen that we hadn't seen. Just with like oh, you definitely never seen that before. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ryan, go ahead. Uh, like I said earlier, the score, uh, training on the ice. The fact that I like the fact that Bruce steals from himself. Like I always got a kick out of that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I love the Gotham and Terror scene. The Why do we fall? I go a little bit all over the place here. Um, the origin of the bat signal I thought was really dope. I like that too. Um, the Joker tease at the end. Oh, fantastic! The swear to me. Um, gotta give it. I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who played Falcone. Gotta give it up to him. Mm-hmm. Lucius Fox, uh, just awesome. Morgan Freeman. Um, how everything in the movie ties together. Every little thing tied together in that movie. Just I loved it. And the Victor. And I didn't realize until this feeling, but Victor Zaz was in the movie. Oh, I you're right. I to totally that. forgot it about Victor Zaz. Lincoln, you miss it though. Yeah, that's so true. Anything else, Ray? No, that's it. All right. What about you, Meg? I mean, what can really be said besides what we've already discussed? Um, I mean, something I saw, like Christopher Nolan quoted, every film should have its own world, a logic and a feel to it. And he makes it perfectly clear, regardless of which movie we're talking about, like you really feel like you're stepping into the world of Gotham that he wanted you to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, everything from his training sequences, because, yeah, he's a like his superpower is the fact that he's a billionaire and he is he's creative so that is his superpower and the fact that he uses that to be to his advantage to be still able to be at the ranks of other superheroes granted that's different movies but you know you get what i'm saying um it just shows just how good he is and yeah i'm just gonna keep rambling here (laughs) (laughs) go for it no it's just like what i liked about it is that this movie is 
uh, Batman is has like more hope in Batman Begins. Like he has more optimistic promises that his sacrifices will be worth it, and it has more of a somber tone versus the other two films. Literally because the other two have the word dark in their title. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, everything else I kind of kind of talked about already. All right, sounds good. So age worst, I uh, I had some fun with this. Uh, parking the tumbler. That's age worse. How do you park that thing? <laughs> Rubbing your chest and all your extremities will warm themselves. That's age worse because that's definitely not true. Um, and I think no one's even come out and said, like, do not do that. <laughs> yeah. Martha and Pearls. That's not age well at all. Yeah. And yeah, that's all I have, honestly. I mean, I think that's I don't hate the bat voice. I'll talk about that in the next movie. That's 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 in the next two movies. Uh, but yeah, I don't really have too much that I really dislike. And then on a more serious note, maybe the fighting scenes that Meg mentioned before. But that's honestly that's about it. Uh, Jen, I heard. Ooh, oh, go ahead. Right. Go ahead. Right. I heard that no one did it like that to show like that. That's from the bad guy's eyes. Like it's just a flash coming from you. That's why it looks so choppy and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that, I, I read that as well. I, I just don't think – and you can see he changed that completely in A Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, so I don't even think yeah. he thinks that worked as well as he wanted to. Uh, Jen? So, the bat voice. You don't like it in this one? I don't it, like it in any of them. Oh, man. I, like I have Christian, to agree. We could have just had Christian Bale talk normal. Like, we don't need – Rachel, no, that's not this one. Rachel, yet. that's not I know, this one yet. I know, but it's still, it still applies throughout the. Yeah. It's getting, it's building to that. Rachel, I liked his Batman intro here in this like, one. It wasn't that bad. He's at half a pack a day. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know. I think you didn't need it, right? Like because I feel like you could just he talks fine, normal. You don't need like it didn't, it didn't work. Um, and then I'm going back to like the whole Thomas and Martha Wayne dying thing. I mean we. We've seen it. I feel like it's not that it aged the worst, but I feel like. I think this is the best version of it. You think this is the best version? Yeah, because the one mm-hmm. in Batman 89 is just a quick well, no, hit and miss. This is quick, the best version of it. That is a quick, like, retro yeah. perspective on it. But what about in Joker? Oh, I like that. Ver- I like I like that a lot. Actually, uh, but see, okay, it's so tough. We're not talking Joker. Well, all right, so all right, so let's universe, let's yeah. look at it like this. I like it in Joker for its originality in terms of where they went. But when we're playing, when we're paying homage to the comic, Joe Chill killing the Waynes, this is, this is perfect. Bad. I think. Okay, that's all I got. Oh, okay, uh, Ryan. Um, the guy that Bruce refuses to kill in the mountains probably dies anyway because of Bruce setting fire. Setting <laughs> <that> fire. <laughs> what? That's a good one. <laughs> the voice at the end. Um, the bad opera. You're taking your kid that's scared of bats to a bad opera. That's really good parenting on your part. <laughs> so um, what you're saying, Ryan, is that Martha and Thomas deserved it? I'm not saying they deserved it. He's okay. not not Maybe, saying You're it. not not saying that. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Maybe wow. a pistol whip. <laughs> and the league member is taken out by Alfred with a club. <laughs> you don't talk about... You never talk about Alfred like that. I'm just saying the league members taken out by old British dude with a golf club. Maybe Roz pretty bad. Maybe Roz didn't know that, you know, he was he wasn't gonna bring his A squad here. He was like, We're yeah, gonna we- burn Wayne Manor down, these guys may not make it. Let's bring the D squad. And that's probably why <laughs> Alfred was able to take them down. 
And we mentioned it earlier. I didn't, it's my least favorite Batmobile, the Tumblr. All right. Uh, Meg? Um, kind of piggybacking on what everyone's saying, um, the voice. And, um, oh, crap. I just literally just had it in my head. Oh, okay. So we kind of mentioned earlier about how the worlds felt real, like it felt grounded, and which made it feel real. This movie felt the least real like dark night dark night rises you really felt like you could envision yourself in gotham mm-hmm. this movie you cannot i like that and that's it that's it all right cool so you're gonna kick off the next award that guy award who do you no. have no i don't want to go first oh fine i will i will kick it off that guy award when i when i first saw this guy on this tv show i first said oh shit that's the guy from batman begins Mark Boone Jr., Detective Flash. He is also on Sons of Anarchy. Be- hmm. Because I kind of oh yeah that I kind of knew everyone in this movie before I saw it. So he's the only one that I first saw in Batman Begins, and then I saw in Sons. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, he's the guy from Sons. Jen, Linus Roach. Who's that? Thomas Wayne. I only know him from here. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I mean that's a good one too. I, I, I don't only know, know who him that is. from here. Like, he's done other things, but if I'm going to see him in something else, like, I'll recognize him. Oh, okay, he's Thomas Wayne, and for the small amount of time he had here. Rye. Heat seeking here, but Killian Murphy, Scarecrow. Ryan. Oh. Ryan Suskind. You Damn. take that back. You take that back right now. <laughs> no, but. Oh, damn, my God. Name. Oh, my God. Well, no. Let's be fair like, here. That's what I remember him from. Like when I see him, like, oh, Scarecrow. I only knew him from that movie Red Eye. Yeah, that's why I did. I can't. But yeah. that's it. Like that's that's really the only. Well, okay, and Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, but that came later than Red Eye for me. Oh, don't like, forget I... Charlie's Angels. It's full throttle. Oh no, was it the first one? It was the first one. He was in that. Well, he's kind I don't of remember him in it. So yeah, I don't. I don't remember any of those Charlie's he Angels movies. He's a creepy thin man. Oh. oh. Who knew? Well, at least you didn't say Christian Bale, Ryan. So that's a good one. (laughs) All right. What about you, Meg? Who do you have? Okay. This is going to be really lame because I tend to notice the very minor characters more than I tend to notice the big names. Same same with Jen. So, Um, Actually, one of the courthouse reporters, she's actually on Fear the Walking Dead. Karen Davis. Oh, wow. Nice. I like that. That's a deep, deep cut there. All right. So... We used to call this award the Detlef Shrimp Six Man of the Year, Six Man of the Movie Award, Best Supporting Player. But since I'm the only real basketball fan left on the podcast, <laughs> we're going to rename this award today, and we're going to name it after one of Jenny and I's favorite supporting actors from the 1930s, who ultimately had one of the best supporting character roles on TV in the 1950s. The William Frawley Award for Best Supporting Player, and William Frawley plays mm-hmm. Fred Mertz on I Love Lucy. And I went with best supporting player in this movie, Liam Neeson, Raz al Ghul. I think he is a great, great villain. He there's motive to why he wants to take down Gotham City. I think he and Liam Neeson's just incredible in it. Uh, Jen, who do you have? So I put a, I put three. Okay, go ahead. I did well. I kind of did it where it was uh, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Gary Oldman. <laughs> so. All three, because they all support the narrative that we're going to continue to see. You want, they did superb in what they were given, and you want to see them more in the upcoming movies. Like, they're characters that are 
true to supporting Batman and you just want to keep seeing them more and more on screen and you end up seeing that in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Cool. Rye, what do you got? Ryan says he doesn't want any of them. So, Meg, why don't you take oh, us? Oh, wait, wait. Sorry, I agree with myself. <laughs> I go, go ahead, Ryan. Um, I agree with you, Dave. I went with Liam Neeson. I, uh, such a great villain. Um, just so well played, so well done. Yeah. What about you, Meg? You know, initially, I wanted to go with what Jen was saying with uh, Morgan Freeman, all the incredible crap, uh, Michael Caine, but we see them in all the movies. So I kind of wanted to go with someone that we really only see the one time, even mm-hmm. though they have cameo in Dark Knight Rises. I got to go with Liam Neeson. Yeah, so great. I mean, I don't think there's anything that he does movie wise. The movies may not always be great, but he's always solid in it. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Becky O'Shea, Icebox Award, MVP of the film. For me, I went with Christian Bale. I think it was so important to get this right, to get this Batman right, because it had been eight years. This is a fresh start. They needed to knock it out of the ballpark, and they did. I think Christian Bale is fantastic in this. I think he is. I've always said Michael Keaton is my favorite because he's able to blend both of them beautifully. While we don't love Christian Bale's Batman voice, I think his Bruce Wayne is the best, and I think he's the best part of this film. Jen? Christian Bale. Stop. Co- this is like no, Je- no, Jen no. cheated off my test. You actually have like been taking the words out of my mouth this entire time. <laughs> and then I have to follow you. And it's been very difficult. Sorry. Uh, no, Christian Bale. I mean, he's Batman. Yeah, I mean, and a great Batman. <laughs> you have to set the tone. I think my only next person would probably be Liam Neeson. Okay. Um, But yeah, Christian Bale. Rye. Christian Bale. <laughs> very good. Anything else you want to uh, add to that? Um, we don't get Heath Leather Joker without this movie working, without this, without him working, without, without him doing as well as he does. Alrighty. We don't get the Dark Knight. And Meg. Do I really need to say it? I think you're, I think you're going to say it. I think you're going to say Christian Bale. I want to say Christian Bale because, you know, we've had so many, not so many, but we've had a few instances of Batman already. But to me, when I think of Batman in general, regardless of what universe we're talking about, I think of Christian Bale. Yeah. Like, he is my Batman. He has my second favorite Batsuit, too, in the one from The Dark Knight. I don't really like the Batsuit in this one, but the Dark Knight one is fantastic. All right, and la- and last two categories for this movie, Peaks and Valley. Who peaked here and who had the best career after? So, with my Valley, I win Christian Bale. Uh, the way I do this, Meg, is I have a cheat. If you win an Oscar, you automatically get the best career after. Mm-hmm. So, I went with Christian Bale here. And my peak, this was a little hard, and Ryan spoke. Ryan and I spoke about this off the line, but I went with Katie Holmes. Oh, and I'm gonna and and there's a reason. There's a reason why I went with Katie Holmes. So with peak, I look at did she ever do anything as big as Batman? And I have her filmography after Batman: The Extra Man, The Romantics, Mad Money. The Son of No One, Days and Nights, Miss Meadows, The Giver, Woman in Gold, Touched in Fire, Underdogs, All We Had, A Happening of Monumental Proportions, Logan Lucky, which I did like, Dear Dictator, Brahms, The Boys 2, and Ocean's Day, she played herself, so I'm not really counting that too much. But the biggest woof is she was also in Jack and Jill. 
Which I mean, which you, you want? Have to admit, Miss wh- Meadows was good. It's fine, but like looking at her entire career after that, it, she ever yeah. really hit that level again. So that's kind of what it's. It's you know, this is difficult. I will say, but I went with Katie Holmes here, Jen. So my valley is Christian Bale. Well done, yeah. Because he's continuously improved, and he's just wonderful, so consistent. wonderful. Um, but I think we knew that anyway from the beginning that it would be like that. And mm-hmm. then my peak is Katie Holmes. Oh, look at you copying me again. Um, I'm not copying you, yo. You copied me, <laughs> but you just get to go first. I just, I did these twenty-four pages um, days ago. Katie Holmes. Yeah. All right. I mean, she hasn't really done much else. I also. It's probably a lot to do with her beginning being with like Dawson's Creek. Tom, no, Dawson, Dawson Creek, but her film career, like right, like she did pieces. Is it pieces of April, right? And that, that was, was great movie. This. And she did, uh, yeah. So anyway, so she, yeah, that was before this. So she had the potential, and then you know Tom Cruise, and then I feel like the movies it's, have sort of whatever, funny. and then she has to be. A, she's a single mom, so she also has to take any project that comes by too. So I think that also has added to where maybe her career has not gone to the highest thing, but like that hasn't been her priority. Yeah. It's funny. You, it's funny. You mentioned Tom Cruise. I, I thought of this while doing the research. The last time Batman was a successful box office hit was 1995 Batman forever. Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. also married to Tom Cruise at the time. Yeah. Damn. But Tom Cruise, do you think the studio was like, <laughs> The last time we were successful, Tom Cruise, we we cast Tom oh, Cruise's wife, and that. someone's like, "Oh wait, he has another one now. Let's grab her." <laughs> but but Nicole Kidman has quite has had quite. She has a great career after she, this. After mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, she had a better. career. Oh my god, she's incredible! I love Nicole Kidman. Better. Yep. Uh, Rye, who do you got? Uh, Valley Christian Bale, peak uh, Katie Holmes. Oh shit! Are we going for? <laughs> so Ryan copied you too. Yeah, now Ryan, what? you cheater. Yeah, Ma- from all the way down here. <laughs> <laughs> Meg, are we taking it home with four for four? Or four for four? Fantastic! I didn't think we were gonna go four for four on this one. Fantastic. I mean, I am a huge Katie Holmes fan, so but I agree. Like Tom Cruise kind of derailed her career, so that, I feel like that's the that's the main reason why her career kind of. And I mean, that. and I mean, I feel like it, it. Like we're speculating on this, right? So maybe it's not, but like I don't know. There's just a correlation between the way things have gone, and then uh, you know, her priority is her daughter, her kids, yeah. And it's just very different. I mean, she's still making money, and so that's does, what matters. She does well, other also, things and a lot of charity work. Like there are other things that and she, she does, and she also does the intro to the Tribeca Film Festival that Jenny and I love so much. Yeah, too. <laughs> but also with Batman Begins, she did kind of step out of her comfort zone. Yeah, because very much so. It was mostly rom-coms and drama TV. Like, this was the first big thing where it was like, whoa. Yeah. And like, she w- first and, and she wasn't bad by any means. No, no, absolutely. I just think she wasn't given much to do. Because Rachel's be, not a real character in the Batman universe. So. The love, yeah, but just be the love interest for him. Yeah. So uh, before we move on to The Dark Knight, I do have some fun facts. I have 15 fun facts regarding Batman and Begins. And I have a question. What's your question? Who, which had a better uh, train fight, Spider-Man 2 or, or Batman Begins? Uh, oh. I, it's tough. Um, I may give the itch to Spider-Man 2. Just because of where it ends. Like, every, yeah. everyone, embra- all the citizens of New York pretty much embracing him and seeing that he's a kid and protecting his identity. I think that really hit well with me. What, what about you, Jen? 
the better scene? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I really don't have an opinion on it. All right. And Meg? You know, both were really good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with Spider-Man, despite even though he does have powers, that scene did kind of show that, hey, he is human under all that. Yep. Love that. Um, So I feel like it shows more of an emotional, like it really hits hits your emotions with that. So I think I kind of got to give it to that. Nice. Alrighty, so let me run through these facts real quick. Number one, Heath Ledger was considered for the role of Bruce Wayne in Batman during the movie's early development. Wow. Yep. Didn't know that. Yeah. The, you didn't know that, Meg? Yep. Nice. Um, next up, in an interview with Movie Phone, Christian Bale said that he became interested in playing Batman after a friend of his loaned him the graphic novel Arkham Asylum, great story by Grant Morrison. And in 2000, after he read it, he told his agent that if anyone was ever making another Batman movie, he wanted in. This I really like because I think this saved this specific franchise. This movie inspired James Bond, James Bond producers Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Brook, Broccoli to reboot the James Bond franchise. And that's how we got Casino Royale, which is actually his first mission as 007. And I think it's the one of the best James Bond movies of all time. So I, I love that little fun fact. Uh, due to this guy, this is a very known fact. Due to the, his part of the Machinist in 2004, Christian Bale was vastly underweight. He was about 120 pounds at six feet. Have you guys seen the Machinist? Yes, mm-hmm. I've seen those, those photos. Are scary. Yeah. You, what'd you say? I've seen the photos. Yeah, it's <laughs> the insane. Film so after he was cast, he was told to become as big as you can be. Bale underwent a six-month dietary and exercise regimen and ending up weighing about 220 pounds and 40 pounds above his weight. It was decided that Bale got too big, so he had to lose weight again for the role. That's just not healthy at all. (laughs) But Bale is known to do this. He just did it for Vice. He got put on the pounds for Vice, Mm -hmm. and then he took off the pounds for Ford v. Ferrari. Um, only a few days before the role of Batman were cast, eight actors were asked to audition for the part. Obviously with Christian Bale. Joshua Jackson audition. Can you imagine that? The Joshua Jackson oh, and the Katie Holmes? That would have been interesting. Ian Bailey, Hugh Dancy, Billy Crudup, Killian Murphy, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Henry Cavill. Ironic. Huh. Yeah, Interesting. I mean, if they, if Henry Cavill would have played the Batman they were going for in the DCEU, he has the build for it then. But for this Batman, I don't think he had the build for it. I can't imagine Jake Gyllenhaal. He was such a baby face back then. Yeah, I think it was a little. It was uh, three, four years after um, Donnie Darko, so he was still a baby here. Yeah, I mean, he he had a baby face for years after that. Yeah, he still. That's why he grew the beard. <laughs> He's probably like, all right, I gotta, because he still has a baby face. Well, that's like uh, Ryan Hurst, same thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, none of the big-name cast members were initially told that this movie was a Batman movie. As a script, they were sent the title The Intimidation, the Imitation Game. Uh, Sir Michael Caine commented that he first saw the title and he assumed the script was some kind of gangster movie. <laughs> now, in terms of the Scarecrow, we have some other people that were in discussion for the role. Christopher Ecclerson... Ewan McGregor, Jeremy Davies, and Marilyn Manson. I heard about Marilyn Manson. I thought that was really yeah. weird. Yeah, extremely weird. Um, next up, Christopher Nolan wanted to show Batman from the criminal's point of view, which go coincides to what Meg and Ryan were saying before about the action sequences. Next up, 
writer and director Christopher Nolan wanted to cast Gary Oldman as a villain and Chris Cooper as Gordon. No. So Cooper, however, wanted to spend more time with his family. So Nolan, which for fans of Gary Oldman's work may know this, but for those unfamiliar, before he played Gordon, he really often played the villain. So Nolan had the idea of changing it up for Gary Oldman and having him play Gordon. And he, I think it worked beautifully because that's an iconic role. Um, Viggo Mortensen turned down the role of Ducard. And the one that hurt me, Daniel Day-Lewis was also approached. Oh, wow. Oh. This is the second time that we've almost had Daniel Day-Lewis in a Batman movie, and it hurts me that we never got that. <laughs> Can you imagine Daniel Day-Lewis as a villain in a Batman movie, though? Like, I, I, oh, that's so good. Who would you want him as? Um, That's an interesting, that's a good question. I would have said the Riddler before Paul Dano got cast, because I think Paul Dano is going to be incredible as the Riddler. Um, You know what? All jokes aside, can you imagine him as a Mr. Freeze, Heart of Ice? That would have been great. Because I think, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis would have probably frozen himself. Like, he he just goes into the, (laughs) he dives into the role. He probably would have frozen himself. Uh, No, but I'll just, go ahead, Meg. Oh, no, I was going to say it would have changed the entire narrative. Yeah. And I think people that don't know the Batman universe and the the Rose Gallery too well don't understand how good that Heart of Ice story is. And if they ever Mm -hmm. get to it, I think they'll knock it out of the ballpark. Um, next up, with the exception of the Pierce scene in 19, uh, 1966 Batman m- movie, this is the first Batman movie in which Gotham City film, Gotham City scenes were actually filmed on location in an actual city and not on a soundstage, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, for Rachel Dawes, another CW, was it CW or the WB? Another WB alum was considered to play Rachel Dawes, Sarah Michelle Geller. Huh. Oh. I didn't know that one. Yeah, that was pr- pretty interesting. I mean, I don't know. She probably would have come back for the, for the Dark Knight. I feel like she would have been really typecast then because, you know, we had her for so long as Buffy. Mm-hmm. I agree. And just being that, like, that... I don't, not typically typecast because, you know, Buffy was the lead and this was supporting, but I feel like she would have been stuck kind of like in that little niche because at that time she was mostly doing... When she wasn't doing Buffy, she was was doing kind of just like silly fun movies yeah agreed jen you are a buffy fan yes what do you think i think it would have been good casting i mean it would have been interesting i don't know i don't i don't know that i could see her in it now yeah i don't know <laughs> it's tough it's yeah it's I hard picture, to see it. i picture it i think if it had been done then that's who i would picture but i think because i'm thinking back now on it it's just really hard to see Rachel I really don't care about but, Rachel like, that's the thing is that she's just not there's she's not given much to do no, so not at all I feel like anybody could have done, done this but I think she's given more to do in the next in movie the next movie yep. and I think that's why the change so last three facts here fine. uh in 1999 Warner Brothers hired Darren Aronofsky to write and direct Batman year one for those unfamiliar who Darren Aronofsky is he directed Requiem for a Dream Black Swan The Wrestler Jenny's favorite movie, Mother. So he's not my favorite. He's movie. he's a very very solid director. So Aronofsky brought Frank Miller to co-write Year One with him, which would have been an interesting take. Uh, so we never got that. 
14, the Joker playing card presented in Batman at the end of the movie is a replica of the Joker card from the 1989 graphic novel Arkham Asylum. And finally, my favorite fun fact, this is the last Batman movie where Batman cannot turn his head. Because when you guys, if you guys aren't aware, from Batman 89 to now, to 2005, he because of the way the cowl was attached to the suit, he could never turn his head completely. Huh. Yep. So when you guys watch the movies again in the future, watch for that. You'll see every time Batman wants to turn his head, he has to turn his whole body. Pretty... I'm going to YouTube this later. Yep. <laughs> Go for it. Let me know what you think. All right. So let's move on to the next movie, which because the next movie I have a couple of things I want to say. Uh, it's Only a couple? Just a couple. Uh, yeah. So Dark Knight is up next. It's, the... it's so much to say. Uh, it pretty much... In terms of the production, before the release of Batman Begins, David Gore wrote a treatment for two sequels, which introduced a joke Put that up into the two movies where Harvey Dent would become Two-Face in The Dark Knight, and then the last movie was to have a story with Dark uh, Harvey Dent as Two-Face. But Christopher Nolan does not like making movies without full-on endings and he didn't want to leave a full-on cliffhanger with we're setting this up to create another movie so that's why they pushed it into the dark knight and we got two fates in the dark knight i think it works really well and i know meg you you teased something earlier that you were saying that uh i think what you're gonna say is that you think the dark knight focuses too much on the villains wow did you like see my notes i did not <laughs> uh I'll let you kick off with that before I get into more production notes. Why, why do you think that? Okay. Uh, wait, let me find my notes on that. Yep. Da, 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 da. Okay. So there's, I think I can speak on all of us here when I say that the Joker was the best villain in the entire trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, between the script and everything Ledger brought to the role, like the way he was so sinister and captivating, it just made him an obvious scene stealer. While this is so great, it also works against the movie because it was supposed to be a Batman movie, but sometimes it felt like it was more of a Joker film with Batman as a supporting character. Okay. And like literally every single time I think of a memorable scene from The Dark Knight, it's it's a it's a Joker or a Two Face scene. It's not it's not a Batman scene. And while I think two, uh, Harvey Dent did a great job as Two Face. Um, granted, he was only using what he was given. He was sadly overshadowed by the Joker, and his motivation was the only reason he was really the villain because he was seeking vengeance on Rachel's death. So it kind of made him a lackluster villain, falling right into the cliche of a woman needing to die in order to motivate the protagonist or antagonist. Okay, so here's here's my counter to this. So okay. I always I've heard this discussion about the Joker pretty much being the focus of the movie but i the joker's in the movie for 25 minutes of a two hour and 30 something minute movie so while i feel that he is invokes a lot of people's praise for it he's not really in the movie a lot to say it wasn't a real focus on everything else i personally think that this movie is the most deep and rich in themes because mm -hmm. you mentioned Harvey before. Harvey's story, I think, is the most interesting of, of the film for me because it's a story of the theme of the movie, I feel, is you either die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain. 
and you have two people that have been the hero for quite a while. You have Harvey Dent in, you know, as district district attorney, and then you have Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne, Batman, and you have the tale of two people who go in completely different directions in term with that theme of you either die a hero, you live long enough to become a villain. They both have that choice. And there's a scene in the movie where Harvey's slipping the coin when he's still Harvey and Bruce is telling, well, Batman's telling him, you have that choice. You can, mm-hmm. you can choose to still be good. So I don't think that him turning into two faces more on him getting revenge. I think it's pretty much putting a bow on the fact that he did everything. He was playing Mr. Nice Guy for so long. And what did it get him? It lost him his, the love of his life and it scarred him. And the fact that everyone already thought he was already Two-Face in the department, in Gotham's, Gotham PD, he already had that stigma of this guy will do anything to get ahead. So I think it was just a cherry on top of Rachel dying that put him over the top. I don't think that it's something that he didn't think about because they sprinkle his temper tantrums throughout the film, his indecisiveness of doing good and bad throughout the film. So I don't think it was just that one choice. That's why... I I think the movie is about Batman and the fact that his willingness that no matter what, everyone he's lost, he loves Rachel just as much as Harvey did. And he still does not make that choice to go bad. He still stays the line. And he pretty much say, he puts an emphasis at the end to protect Harvey's reputation because he knows this is the right way. I need to be... I need to be hated by everybody for good to be done in Gotham. And I think that's where the real central theme of the movie lies. The Joker is, Heath Ledger is incredible. It's my favorite, one of my favorite performances of all time. But I think his role is an anarchist. His role is someone that, you know, shakes the system for everyone involved. And I think he plays it beautifully. And yeah, and that's kind of where where I stand on the the themes of the film. <laughs> Any common fact, Meg? <laughs> um, yeah. How many pages of notes did that take up? <laughs> so to be honest, no pages. That just came from the head right now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> when I'm telling you I'm passionate about this movie, it's it's I'm, I'm not joking. I really You know, as you were rambling, I'm thinking about, like I have in my head, I'm like, holy crap, he really is this passionate about that film. That's the, that was the one thought that stuck with me. Yeah, I, it's it's. I've thought about it a lot. It's one of those. I've seen the movie many, 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 many times. So it's one of those things that every time I watch it, I put pieces together. And I think like that's why we we you were on uh, you you kind of teased the whole Batman begin. You prefer Batman Begins on our Facebook group, and you were mm-hmm. telling me uh, wait for Sunday or whatever. And then I was going back and forth with a a friend of the show. And we've had this discussion many times. I just don't like, like, you gave me real facts as to why you feel the way you feel. I just don't like the whole, when he's not in the movie, when Heath is not in the movie, the movie's boring. Because I think that's such a half-ass argument because then what? It is. The, the, re- the other two hours and ten minutes are boring to you? Like it It's a cop-out. Yeah, it's such a cop-out. that you. It, so it really, really, it's always bothered me. That's why I kind of went off on that tangent as well on facebook 
it's because they just want to stir up controversy and they have nothing to back it up. So they're like, oh, he's not in it. It sucks. Yeah, absolutely. So getting into the movie itself, I want to I want to kick it off by asking, what were your thoughts when Heath was actually cast? Because there's no real issues with the production. You know, the movie was the movie was greenlit right away and we were on our way to making the sequel. But when you first first heard Heath Ledger's cast as the Joker, what were your immediate thoughts? I'll kick it off with Meg this time. I actually had no problem with it because, you know, we saw his range with uh, Brokeback Mountain and almost every movie he's ever been in. So I was actually on board with it. I was like, you know what? This is different. I'm curious to see what he's going to bring to the table. And I was just excited to see how it was going to be portrayed. Nice. What about you, Rai? Um, I wasn't one of those caring about casting kind of cats. So I was just down to see more Joker. So I'm like, okay, let's just see what he brings to the table. Jen? I was fine with it. I didn't have any issues. Yeah, I... It was the Ten last. I hate about you. That's all I needed. Well, Aww. that's actually where I was going. Obviously, he's not. This is hot here like that. But some uh-uh. would say he is. Some <laughs> sure. would say he is. Some may say he is. You're right. Everyone's so got their taste. I was one of those that I was like, oh, well, he did do Ten Things I Hate About You. It's a very different type of movie. But then I realized right away, I'm like, wait a minute, he just killed it in Brokeback Mountain, and he's growing as an actor. So I'm like, let's mm-hmm. see where this goes. And it was the first picture that I saw like a year later with the uh, Joker smile with the scars. Yes. That's the first picture I saw. And that's how I was like, oh, OK, this is going to be something different. And then I actually went to see the Simpsons movie just to see the teaser trailer because this is before it released on YouTube. So we had to actually see the teaser in the movie. So I saw the Simpsons to see the teaser trailer just to hear his voice and the laugh. And then I went to see I Am Legend just to see the full trailer and the first five minutes on IMAX just for that. So the hype was actually pretty incredible for it. Um, In terms of what he wanted to do with the Joker, Nolan did not want an origin story. He wanted the Joker already established, you know, wreaking havoc. And I like that a lot. I've always enjoyed the fact that you can create your or your own origin for this joker and for me he's a ptsd veteran that the you know Mm -hmm. the world spit him back out and this is how he gets his you know payback this is what he's they've created this character this person so that's where i i stick with that in terms of hype for the movie do you think his death added to it or do you think the hype was already there prior to his death meg you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Because, yeah, the hype was there, but you can't help but wonder if he didn't die, would that hype still be the same? So I can't really answer that. Okay. Uh, Jen? I think, um, I don't know, he gave such an iconic performance. I think something that we haven't seen before. And so... He just, I think, he proved everybody wrong. Sure did. And I think, because um, a lot of people think he won the Oscar because he died, and I think that's bullshit. Yeah, no, it was just, it was a terrific. I mean, if you were gonna end, if that, and obviously we now know it was his last performance, but like the performance as a whole was, that's a great ending for you to have right i mean it's a lasting legacy whether you expected it to be or not and 
I think it's just the way that he was so ingrained into the character, into putting all he had into it. Um, I think I think it's hard to say that he wouldn't. I think this would have taken off his career even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just I think it's a shame that it's almost like right like James Dean. James yeah, Dean. That's a good comparison. Was a terrific actor. He only did three films. Really, he showed his range, and sadly, his life was cut short. And so James Dean even has like this, you know, he was great, but like, look at what else he could have done. Like, we don't know what he could have done. This is all we got. This was all that the world was meant to get from them. And that's very unfortunate because Heath was so yeah. good, so good. Um, I, before I could hand it to Ryan, I, I think the hype was already there after the after the trailers, I do think there isn't the world is a very tricky place. And I think when someone dies, you always see things explode. Like for example, when Houston passed away and her records were trending again or Michael Mm -hmm. Jackson and stuff like that. So I think it added a little bit, but I think everything we saw prior to him passing away already was creating that hype for what we were about to get. So that's how I feel. And Rye, what do you think? Yeah, you guys said it best. Um, the hype was there already, but it might probably added just a little bit to it. But mm-hmm. you know, between what was there already, you you know, it's, it's just a sad event. So, in terms of budget and box office, the movie cost one hundred and eighty-five million, and it became the first superhero movie, comic book movie, to make one billion dollars. Wonderful. Uh, in <laughs> open on July eighteenth, I saw it seven times on the first. First time it came out. Yep, nothing's topped that yet. I've that's that's most, and with the re-releases the last couple of years, I've seen the movie now ten times total in theaters. I actually still have my ticket stub. Oh, that's wonderful! I wish I would have kept that. I really, really I don't know where I it is. That. I have. To, I think I have it in a box in my room. Uh, moving on to uh, first category here, the trophy room. This is I follow the Oscar season very closely. And you have movies that are nominated for a lot of awards and not win that many. So the percentage is not that you could have like Joker was nominated for, I think, 243 and it won 100 and something throughout to show an example. The Dark Knight was nominated for 178 awards during the season and it won 103. That says something right there. The movie was nominated for. Eight Oscars but not the Oscars that everyone expected it to get nominated for. So it was nominated for Supporting Actor. It won. Art Direction, Cinematography, Film Editing, Makeup, Sound Editing, Sound Mixing, Visual Effects. Three Oscars were missing here. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Score. Well, because back then, and it still kind of holds true today, they don't really recognize superhero films. Well, yeah, that's also that's true. And I think things have changed a little now with Black Panther and Joker getting in. I was just about to say that. But this change, this is called, this led to the Dark Knight rule. So because of the Dark Knight missing, and not just the Dark Knight and Wally, people were very big on Wally getting into Best uh, Best Picture nomination. The Oscars changed their rules. And now we, because of that, the following year got 10 nominees rather than five in Best Picture. So they've, you know, since then they've called it the Dark Knight rule because everyone was so upset that the Dark Knight didn't get nominated for Best Picture. So mm-hmm. that's, I think it would have won. I mean, people, Slumdog Millionaire won Best Picture that year, and I don't think Slumdog Millionaire is better than the Dark Knight. 
And that's just my two cents on that. But yeah, like you said, Meg, I think they don't have a respect for comic book films. They're just starting mm-hmm. to get it now. I I know we, we have different, we're on different boats of Joker, but I as good as Joaquin was for me, I didn't think he was going to get in until the movie started making money. Once it started making money, I was like, okay, I think he can get in and win. Because there was always that fear of like, okay, it's a com- it's a comic book movie. They're not going to nominate it. So uh, going to play that funky music, White Boy, Hans Zimmer score. It's just as good as the first. Uh, if you guys, do you guys want to add anything to that? Joker score is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Love that as well. Jen, anything you want to add? And Meg, anything you want to add to that? <laughs> going to play silent for now. Perfect. All right. What's age best? Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, hmm. Heath Ledger, and Heath Ledger. Um, Gotham City Dogs have aged very well because they will take you out. The interrogation scene, the opening scene heist, the Gotham, the car chase in Gotham City, uh, hacking into cell phones by big companies, that's aged really well because it seems like we're getting, you know. More and more into that. <laughs> yep. Uh, the themes of the films that I mentioned before, I think that's aged really well. Uh, and that's pretty much it. What I have, Jen. So, um, let's see what I got. Um, age well, the opening heist scene. What? I don't think there's, I can't really think of a better way to introduce a villain into a film than that. Scene. Yeah, that was perfect opening heist i mean you don't think it's going to be him and then it's him at the end and you're like what and as the the audience i think as the audience we knew it was him which you had an idea which helped right but then it just confirmed it at the end and you're like wow um the car chase yes age the best oh yeah um just the overall theming it was consistent from what was set up in batman begins but i think he just did it so he did it so much better Mm -hmm. um the continued bat science is a big thing Mm -hmm. the bat pod oh yeah the bat pod and integral to the car chase scene um and the interrogation scene that's his oscar i went more scene heavy here yeah that's his oscar scene um because it's just really good anytime he's on the screen yep uh what about you meg um, I mean, we were kind of mentioned it with the bank heist. Still to this day, it's one of my favorite action sequences. Uh, you know, also the flawless camera work, but also I think that could be because it was the first movie to use an IMAX camera. Yep. That could play into uh, the factor. But I know we kind of mentioned the interrogation scene. I have to go with the pencil scene. Oh, duh, the pencil scene. I because totally about to that. this day, kind of like with Final Destination 2, that if you're driving behind logs, you change lanes. You look at a pencil. You kind of think a little differently nowadays. <laughs> I know Ryan so does. Ryan Ryan thinks see? about that. Every time he gets mad at someone, he's like, I think I'm going to pull out that pencil trick again. <laughs> I Why rest my case. Trick? Come here. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I hear you want to see a magic trick, that's the first thing my, my, my head goes to. Exactly. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Um, the whole movie. the opening we've all talked about um alfred and the russians i always laugh at that one little scene um oh my god you're right that's so good yeah that's a deep cut i like that a lot it does (laughs) so he's like you're gonna be okay if the russians ask me to put the lotion on one more bloody time (laughs) the parties uh i think it's actually the best of the three parties um 
the Joker's intro to the mob, just that laugh. Like, I mean, what other villain gets two intros? I mean, and he deserves it. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, the practical effects, um, the Hong Kong scene, which, by the way, I read, I ain't time it, but I read that the two minutes and 40 seconds that he put on there is actually two minutes and 40 seconds, and Nolan made sure that he edited it down to the two minutes and 40 that it goes to a two screen time. So I thought that was really That's cool. Awesome. Which, That's awesome. That's Yeah, which goes to my attention to detail. Like when um Harvey gets into the the um mob boss's car, you can if you look in the mirrors and on the side, you can actually see Harvey getting into the car. It's actually really cool if you pay like close attention to it. Like the attention to detail he has on it. Um Nolan letting he shoot the handheld scenes that I thought was yes, really cool. That's awesome. And I always pop for it, and it makes me laugh every time. A fire truck on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Yeah>. ironic. <laughs> All right, age worse for me. I have uh, Gotham City Batman cosplayers. They've age worse. Uh, Gotham General Hospital security guards. How did the Joker get in the hospital? With makeup on. Yeah, with makeup on. <laughs> Batman's. I've been smoking cigarettes for eighty years. Now my voice is shot. Bat voice. <laughs> What do you mean, <laughs> Rachel? <laughs> um, and that's honestly that's it. Even I couldn't even joke about anything bad with this movie. I mean, I some people may say the fi- the like that scene on the buildings when you have the fake Joker thug. That, but I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with that scene at all because it go it coincides with the whole good and bad and the fact that the people that threw out the detonator were the actual prisoners. To show that some people just don't go all the way bad, so I don't really have any real issues with the movie. Jen, the Bat voice, Batman's voice, Rachel, and it's still not as bad as the next one. The next one is when it gets really, really bad. bad. But nope, that's probably the worst thing. And then maybe like Joker as a nurse for me. Why? Not not that's so fun. Not the ending scene at when he's leaving the hospital. Like that's funny. Um, but. I just, like just when he first approaches Harvey in the hospital bed, and Harvey's just like su- surprised that it's the, like he doesn't realize he doesn't put I, together that like that's the Joker. I first. think it's so he's funny because like, like when he first really? sees him, he's like, "Hi!" It's just so <laughs> funny. Anything else? No, nope, that's all, it. All right, right. What do you got? The voice, <laughs> and also the animal abuse. The poor dogs, like Batman, oh. just throws them off the damn thing. Like they don't deserve that. I Not don't at care. all. And how does Batman find Harvey when he's questioning the crazy dude in the alley and know so much about the crazy dude in the alley when he gets to him? Didn't Maroney didn't Maroney give him up? The crazy dude in the alley? No. No. So. Oh, but that's one of the Joker's henchmen. You're right. You're right. That's yeah, a good... it was just Joker's henchmen. He just all of a sudden is like, oh, it's this, it's this dude with schizophrenia. Like, how did you know all this? I know you're <laughs> Batman and all, but calm the hell down. <laughs> all right, Meg. That's what, really it. What do you got, Meg? Uh, I've got got to take a four for four. The voice. <laughs> um, I mean, I I can't think of one bad thing with this movie, um, except for what I already talked about with how uh, Two Face kind of gets Two Face and Batman kind of get overshadowed. Alrighty, uh, and then I that... heard somewhere that again, don't quote me that Nolan kind of wishes that he kept Two Face around. I haven't read that. I know that the Joker, and I, I have it in my fun facts, the Joker was supposed to be in the next movie. I was going to say that too. Yeah, so 
I think it was supposed to be one of those situations where he, I think he was supposed to be what a Kinley Murphy's role was, or probably more extended because by that time Heath Ledger killed it. So uh, we never got that. And that's kind of where my issues arise with the next movie. Uh, all right. So that guy award, I think we're going four for four here. I went with Aaron Eckhart because anything he did after this, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. That's that's Harvey Dent. And honestly, I didn't know anything he did before this. So Jenny and Meg may correct me on this, but yeah, I went with Aaron Eckhart. I only knew him from like a rom-com. So yeah, that's that's that guy. What about you, Jen? So I put Michael J. White. Gamble. That's Spawn, man. Yeah, but that's I don't know Spawn. Him from anything but this. That's it. Like You've never seen Spawn? No. Nope. Oh. So he is, because Aaron Eckhart, I recognize from other things. So. Before, like, before Batman? Yeah. Oh, wow. So. What about you, Rye? Aaron Eckhart. Thank you. All right. <laughs> three for four. Not bad, guys. Not bad, guys. All right. Uh, Bill Frawley Award, Best Supporting Player. I will win Aaron Eckhart again. I think he's. Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. I think he's really solid. Ironically, Heath Ledger won Best Supporting Actor, but that uh, he deserves another award here. So. Uh, Aaron Eckhart for me. I think he is, his portrayal as Harvey Dent in Two-Face is really, really solid. Probably the best performance of his career. Uh, what about you, Rye? What do you have? Same. Aaron Eckhart. Well done. What about you, Meg? Come on. Do you really have to guess? Four for four. Let's go. Do, doing big things here. Um, and I and if we don't go four for four on this next category, I'm kicking whoever doesn't say this off the podcast for life. Uh, Becky O'Shea Icebox Award. Who is the MVP of the film? I'm gonna. I trust Jen the least here, so I'm going to go with her first. Christian Bale. Yeah, that's just not, kidding. That's not true. Heath <laughs> Ledger. Pull out the divorce papers while we're while we're finishing the podcast. You can't do that. You took a vow. I did. Uh, so yeah, I win. Anyone else not go with Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger. And Meg. Well, no, I'm kidding. Oh, Heath Ledger. You scared me for a second. Um, <laughs> I'll go as far as to say this is my number two. Uh, favorite performance of all time and i think it's the best supporting actor win of all time at the oscars i think it's literally that good uh peaks and valleys here uh peak aaron eckhart again he won three categories for me here i win aaron eckhart i don't think he's ever done anything as good as the dark knight or has been as good as he was as harvey dent in the dark knight and for valley i went for Gar- with gary oldman what about you jen my peak is Melinda McGraw, who played Barbara Gordon. Oh, I don't know her in anything else, to be honest. And I don't. I, she's done mainly TV, mm. and she was sort of. It, she's a B character here. B I know, character, but, big time. Um, but I mean, she did a good job at the end of the movie and protecting her kids, sort of. Um, <laughs> and then sort Valley, of. Christian Bale, he just continues to perform. Um. Yes, Gary Oldman would be would fall well under. The I, yeah, I wanted to do different ones every movie. For and this. then also like Heath Ledger, like we don't know. I can't imagine that his career would have dropped. It would have been Heath Ledger. He's if so, he never, even him die, it would have been Heath Ledger. He is in there because I feel like he. It would have just his star would have continued to rise. Yep, uh, Rye, what do you got? Uh, peak everyone because once you've been in gold like this, you've peaked. No. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, went with Maggie Gyllenhaal. I couldn't really think of anything else she's been in that, you know, yeah. And for Valley, I went with Christian Bale. Hold up, before we get to Meg, did you just say Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yeah, I couldn't. I, nothing that I've seen, at least. 
All right. All right, Meg, what do you got? You know what? I actually kind of ha- I have to side with everybody here. It's Aaron Eckhart and Maggie Gyllenhaal. <gasps> oh my god, I love because Maggie. I've seen I've seen other Maggie films, but when you think of Maggie Gyllenhaal, the only movie that does come to mind is Dark Knight. I guess for me, it's because I saw her in Donnie Darko first. I mean, I've seen her in Donnie Darko, but it's just this just comes to mind. Yeah. All right. I guess I'm alone on the Maggie train here. Uh, and last category for the movie before we get to the facts, do the right thing. Uh, how many Oscars should the Dark Knight have been nominated for? I went f- with 11, like I mentioned before. So unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, all right. Some quick fun facts. This is the first comic book to earn $1 billion at the box office, number one. Uh, Ryan, you spoiled one of these. Heath Ledger directed both homemade videos that the Joker sends to Gotham City News. Sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> number three, at one hour and 24 minutes, Heath Ledger improvised when he started clapping inside his jail cell, mocking uh, Gordon's announcement that he is now police commissioner. I think you guys knew that one. Uh, in preparation for the role, Ledger hid away in a motel room for six weeks. During the stay, Ledger dived deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself to develop the jo- every Joker tick, especially the voice. He also uh, looked at Sid Vicious and Alex DeLarge from The Clockwork Orange to create his style. So that's kind of where he created everything that we saw on screen. Next up, it made more money than Batman Begins in six days. Wow. Next up, Christian Bale stated in the interrogation scene, Heath Ledger wanted him to hit him. So he did. So he can get the real feeling of what it required for the scene. And that scene is great. Uh, Next up in the documentary, I Am Heath Ledger, Heath's vocal coach on the movie, stated that Heath had to continuously lick his lips due to the prosthetic coming off whenever he spoke. And he decided to turn that into his shtick throughout the movie. So you see him licking his lips. So um, that became one of his standards throughout the movie. You see him licking his lips a lot. Hmm. In terms of, this is pretty awesome. The next up, uh, Aaron Eckhart spoke about the scene in the hospital. He said that before the lines were exchanged, Ledger would just walk around in character, mumbling to himself in an odd manner. And Eckhart, all he could do at the time was just watch him while still in character. This went on for several minutes until Ledger got close to him. Eckhart felt compelled at this point to raise his hand up. Immediately, Ledger grabbed Eckhart's raised hand in an equally matched, fierce manner. When the scene was over, Ledger, now out of character, told Eckhart, now that's what I call acting. Wow. Yeah, this is pretty crazy. Uh, And I mentioned before, many believe this is one of the main reasons that the Academy has changed their rules. Uh, this is the highest grossing Batman movie and highest grossing of any movie adapting DC Comics characters. Both records were previously held by another Batman movie, 1989's Batman. And then Heath Ledger posthumously won a total of 32 Best Actor supporting roles for his work in the movie, including Oscar, Golden Globe, BAFTA, SAG, Critics' Choice. The only one he did not win was the Satellite Award. We went to Michael Shannon for a movie I haven't seen. Jen has Revolutionary Road. That's a good movie, but a really sad, depressing movie. Good movie, but he didn't deserve the win for that. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to remember, like, but I'm like, I don't know that it would have beat. I, I mean, I'd say give it to Leo. 
but Leo wasn't supporting in that movie. And uh, I don't know. This I is. Think, I think Heath would have gotten it over. While we know Heath Ledger did what he did, the funny thing is, when it was announced that the Joker would be the main antagonist, a Marvel alum was originally thought of to play the role. Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, was originally considered to play the Joker. No. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Can't imagine it. Mm-mm. No. Damn, you, you, you tell us. I really I... don't like Paul Bettany. Why? I, I don't know. Something about him. All I right. don't know. It just never. I'm not a big fan of Vision. I guess. All right. And I don't know. So, I love Vision. Yeah, I like Vision too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Sorry. along with Anatomy of a Murder, Glory, Crimson Tide, and Independence Day, this, The Dark Knight is one of only five movies whose soundtrack won the Grammy for Best Score despite not getting nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, the mask that the Jokers use at the beginning of the movie for fans of the 66 series were a replica of what the Joker wore in episode uh, Joker's Wild in season one, episode five. Uh, uh-huh. Next up, Timothy Shabalama Ding Dong said that Heath Ledger's performance <laughs> in this movie made him want to become an actor. Next up, Batman franchises have attracted the longest list of actors and actresses who have Oscars and Golden Globe wins. So you have Jack Nicholson, George Clooney, Michael Caine, Christian Bale, Halle Berry, Heath Ledger, Kim Basinger, Nicole Kidman, Ben Affleck, Morgan Freeman, Anne Hathaway, Michelle Pfeiffer, Uma Thurman, Thomas Wilkinson, Danny DeVito, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Eric Roberts, Matthew Modine, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have all either won or been nominated for Oscars. Or Golden Globes. Damn. But comic book movies are for kids. They are for kids. <laughs> and then the, with five Oscar nominations at the time, it marked the highest ever for a superhero film until Joker's 11 this past year. And the movie used numerous elements from Joker's first appearance in Batman number one for, for the film. And finally, other people besides Paul Benny that may have been considered for the Joker were Adrian Brody, Steve Carell, and Robin Williams. No, no, no. Especially Adrian Brody. No, 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 Adrian Brody. That His name alone gets three no's, but everybody yeah. else just gets a no. For sure. And that wraps up The Dark Knight. Let's go straight to The Dark Knight Rises, pretty much. This film, I like it a good amount. I think I'm a little too hard on it. The movie, it took a little bit longer to make because Christopher Nolan wasn't sure if he wanted to come back to make the last one and Warner's desperately wanted him to come back. He said he would not come back unless there's a story that was, that would warrant a return solid film, but I can see how much you wanted the, the Joker in this movie. You can tell that certain out. It's very, very weird for Christopher Nolan movies to have such plot holes. So -hmm. that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, Do you, I'll kick it off with Jen. Do you like the dark Knight rises? To be fair, I've only seen it like twice, um, so not very much. I think it's okay. I think, I think it's hard to follow up what the Dark Knight was mm-hmm. for me, and because I like the Dark Knight so much, when I see Rises, I'm just like, okay, like I watch it to continue it and to end the story, but it's not. It doesn't hold. I don't hold it in the same place that I hold the Dark Knight. I think. Um, I think the casting continues. It has a good cast. I think, you know, bringing in Anne Hathaway, Tom Hardy, uh, Marianne Cotillard, like there's all these solid people in it. So it's definitely JGL. Like 
it does well to at least continue the story. But for me, it's not. It's not the same. What about you, Ray? Um, it grows on me every time I watch it. I find more that I like about it, and I will say that, like when I first saw it, I was very mad about it. I thought it suffered from third movie syndrome. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but I will say I like it more and more. But it, it's yeah, third movie syndrome. I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> what, a, what about you, Meg? Um, I mean, kind of piggybacking off of Ryan. You know, it does suffer from third movie syndrome. However, it does. It's a lot better than, you know, other movies that have had a third movie. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, you know, with the trilogy, it's really hard to find, like, a weak link because the trilogy is so powerful. It's without a doubt one of the best trilogies of all time. But if I had to choose a weak link, it would be this movie. Yep, I, I'm on the same boat. I, I'm with Ryan in terms of it's, it's age really well. There's a lot of great stuff in it. But... It is the weakest of the three, I think, because it's the only one that you can still love, but you can easily point to many plot holes in the movie. Mm-hmm. So in terms of box office, it did cost 200, 200 million to make, and it made $1.84 billion, so it still made a billion dollars. Trophy room-wise, it did not get as much love from anywhere. It's the only Batman film outside of Batman and Robin to not get nominated for an Oscar. Which I think, which I think it could have, maybe three, maybe three, four. Uh, Hans Zimmer's score. I think this is the peak for him. I think this he Joker's theme is great, but I think this everything in this film score. I really, really like Bane's theme a lot in this movie. Um, age best. I'm gonna go with Tom Hardy's Tom Hardy's performance. I think he's really solid as Bane. The battle on Wall Street is really solid. Anne Hathaway is really solid as Catwoman. I'm going to say this, and you guys may... I love Michelle Pfeiffer. She's one of my favorite. But if we're talking about true to the comics, where Catwoman actually is a thief, this is as close as we've gotten. I know Jen feels Halle Berry is it, but this is not it. Shut your mouth. That is not true. I was about to say, Jen, we might have to reevaluate this friendship. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, for me, Michelle Pfeiffer is my Catwoman. But... Anne Hathaway did a terrific job, I think. But this character is very different, right? Like, well, she's mm-hmm. the comics Cat- is. She's yeah, a, she's like a... Burton's Catwoman is. She's not as layered, Darker. right? Like we don't. Well, we she's don't... the she's the living dead. She's a zombie. Yeah, like we yeah. don't get the same. I feel like here you have more facets to this woman, like more layers. It's just different. Yep. Uh, another thing that's age best is the crash of the stock market because that's exactly what we're going through right now. Uh. <laughs> Hans Zimmer, as I mentioned before, and The Dark Knight Returns, the actual 1986 Frank Miller story. I think that's aged really well because a lot of themes from Dark Knight Returns was used in this. And that's what I have. Jen, what do you have? So just the continued Batman theme overall throughout the story. Um, Occupy Wall Street-like protests mm-hmm. that's going on because that continues. The stock market, using the stock market to destroy Bruce. Um, taking down the man. Um... I think here the villains in Bane and Talia are very different as opposed to like Joker because Joker is just there to play and and bring things down like he doesn't need anything he doesn't need money he doesn't need any of that they don't want money either per se but they just want to really tear everything apart um, as a whole they're fanatics they're terrorists yep um, 
what else has aged really well? Um, I actually think Tom Hardy is Bane for me, only because my only other Bane was <laughs> in Batman and Robin. Humanity! So, <laughs> I feel like, for me, he hasn't... He's so great. He's so great. I think you really have the look from the books in in this Bane, and, you know, I think he could have been given a little bit more to do. I just think more. they, I wish they didn't but, bitch him out um, at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the only, that's, that's but, in my yeah. age worse. But yeah. Uh, what about you, Ryan? What do you have? Um, Bane as a whole, uh, the intro, the main intro, I did enjoy the score, the pit, um, the stadium, the crowd fight, the performances as a whole, the chemistry between Bale and Hathaway, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Morgan Freeman again. And although I don't like that they turned Bane into Bane into a bitch, I didn't like the the Talia twist as a in general. Like you the did, fact that she was Talia. You did like it, or I you did didn't? like that? Okay. I like the fact that she was Talia, but I didn't like the fact that they made him a bitch. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you, Meg? What do you have? Um, both things I'm gonna say kind of the only reason I'm choosing them is because they are both very relevant to this day and age that we're currently living in. Um, the Gotham residents rioting and revolting. Um because we're kind of dealing with it uh, in 2020 here with all the protests um, and the destruction of the bridges and keeping Gotham residents hostage yep. feels a little eerie uh, because of COVID and how like America is essentially banned from traveling anywhere. That's a good one. I like that a lot. And right. Bane. And Bane, of course. <laughs> Age worse here. Um, Gotham City Stadium Security. How did Bane get in that stadium to begin with? <laughs> Um, Gotham City as a city has it. They didn't go through it very well. Uh, Robin, I don't like that Robin reveal at the end. <gasps> I love that reveal. Oh no, the Talia. We'll discuss it later. Yeah, the Talia stuff. Uh, so here's the thing. A lot of people that I've spoken to off the line about this movie didn't see that coming. I think the problem with that is that a lot of people didn't know who Marion Cotillard was. I knew who she was, and I knew she's a huge actress. So I knew the role she had was definitely too little to be it. So I kind of saw that reveal coming, the Talia reveal. I was happy about it. I I, I wish they would have done more with Talia because she's such a badass. But you know, it sucks they didn't really do too much with her. Um, uh, what else? What else? All right, the trigger has aged terribly, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Where's the trigger? Ordinary <laughs> Citizens has aged terribly. Uh, Bruce's magical powers. And what do I mean by magical powers? Escaping ooh, a cave. <laughs> escaping a cave and magically David. appearing back in Gotham. Really? After he has eliminated his relationship with Alfred. He has no phone. He doesn't get in contact with Lucius because Lucius is surprised he's even back. How does the hell does he get back to Gotham? And where is he the to power of cinema? Where <laughs> is he to begin with? That's my big. That's just my biggest issue with this movie, and it's very unlike a Christopher Nolan film to have such a big plot hole. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with my age worse. Jen, I think you're about to. You s- took some of my list. I'm sorry. What do you have? Ah, <laughs> uh, um. So basically, so I listed. Bruce Wayne has a robot leg brace to walk but he can escape the prison without it well he's better he's better (laughs) well yeah but still um okay then what isn't that supposed to be like the middle east that he's in 
he gets home in a couple of days. I don't, yeah. So that's another Listen to like, land more goal. savage. Yeah. <laughs> um, how he can walk on an icy river and everyone else falls mm-hmm. through. Um, what else? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, I, I. And then um, his romance with Miranda Tate. Or Talia. Well, like no, because they, they, they have a child. Okay. So but... that that's very on point. Okay, but it's not... They don't have a child yet. I know, but it's in the comics, just, they have yes, a child. That's why is... I liked it. Anyway. Eh, I think he had more chemistry with Selena. With Anne Which... Hathaway. I agree with that. Over Miranda. Like, I don't think... Like, what I'm saying is I'm not against the romance with it. I just think it just didn't... They didn't give it enough, like, believability. Well, yeah, I think it. I think it does a good job because her and him and Talia are more of a fling, unless I'm cor- wrong in the comment. I think his true love is Selena. Yeah. So, and then um, Bane's death, like the way he went out, just like well, Catwoman, gay women, I Catwoman know, killed him. I know, I know, and it shows her turning point. I get it, but yeah. So after all that, good stuff. So that's it. What about you, Rye? Batman taking time off. Still pisses me off. Why? Thousand percent. Like that's not like Batman doesn't smile and he doesn't take time off. Those are the two things he doesn't do. Like he and doesn't kill three things. And he did them all in this movie. (laughs) Um, and how Blake figured it out? Like I just I didn't dig it. Like oh, the look in your eye that told me. Like no, no. Um, To his defense, I would have known Val Kilmer was Batman by his 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 um. the bowl on his side of his face. All right, well, that's different. Now <laughs> look in your eye. <laughs> that's twinkle. All right, what that's else? special look. What else no. you got, right? And like you said, how does Bruce get back with time to make the logo? That And how does Bruce get back with time to make the logo? Oh, my God. I forgot about um, that, too. That's good stuff. Yeah. And Bane doing it with just for love, like we talked about earlier. All right. And what, <laughs> do, you, and what do you got, Meg? Um, okay, so we kind of talked about some of the villains, how, uh, t- what was her name? I forgot her name all of a sudden. Talia Ghul? Talia, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Could, could, I, I had a brain fart for a second. I kind of knew she was going to be the villain, because like you said, I kind of knew who she was prior to this, so, you know, it was, was kind of leading up to it. However, um, what didn't age well is the amount of villains. Because, like, even though we had some cameos, uh, it didn't work as well as the movie wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Because it totaled the number of villains to five villains within a single movie. And even though it was a fantastic conclusion to the trilogy, uh, between the the number of villains plus an already overstuffed story, it just... Too much happened. It was yeah. hard to pinpoint a single memorable scene, even though I did love that football scene where he was just running. Um, that was it. Just didn't work in my favor. All right. So for me, I think there. I think there is some for me. The Wall Street fight with in the snow, like Batman fighting in the snow, is pretty badass for me. But I think the memorable scene for me is the end where uh, Gordon realizes who Batman is, mm. leading to his death, leading to Alfred having that moment where he feels he fails to he failed the wanes i think that's really powerful scene but i'm with you outside of that there's nothing really overly memorable in the movie uh for for that guy ward ride kick us off this time uh i went with the mayor i really couldn't i like i had a hard time he's the only thing i could really think of 
The only thing I can think of that he's from else between besides this is Lost. And Bates Motel. And The Morning Show. <laughs> I haven't seen any of those. Oh, right. All right, Jen, what do you got? Um, I put Brett Cullen, who's the congressman. Um, So before this, I hadn't... He's one of those faces, one of those character actors that you know you've seen in other things, but you don't really know exactly who he is. But now... Because of Joker, that's Thomas he will Wayne. Forever be Thomas Wayne. Yeah. In what about my head, at least. what about you, Meg? Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So still to this day, I still think of him as the kid from Third Rock. I went with Brett Cullen too, because before he became Thomas Wayne, I was like, oh, it's the guy from The Dark Knight Rises. JGL for me, I went. I he'd be that guy for me if we were doing one on Angels in the Outfield, because. I'm like, oh, it's a little fat kid from Angels in the Outfield. Good movie. Good movie. Great movie. Love that movie. Um, and then uh, Bill Frawley Award, Best Supporting Actor. I went with Michael Caine as Alfred here. I think he's really solid in here. Uh, Jen, who do you have? I have Selena Kyle. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but she did. I mean, she she's very supportive in this. Um, I think. Her performance was terrific in it. I think it was something outside of what you've seen Anne Hathaway do also as an actress. Mm-hmm. Like you don't typically you don't think Catwoman and think, oh, Anne Hathaway. Like you thinking Princess Diary. Like it's just a totally different um look and I like the ending. All right. What Satisfied about, with the ending. What about you, Ray? I went with Gary Oldman. Okay. Love that. I liked it a lot. And Meg, what do you have? I also went with Michael Caine. Yes. Just because in this movie he he just he was great in all three movies, but he really knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. He had the when biggest. When he was emotional, I was emotional. Yep, he had the biggest emotion. I cry actually at that scene when he he the tells Mar- yeah when he tells Martha and Thomas that he failed that I failed you. You mm-hmm. trusted me and I failed you. I'm like, oh my god, so good. And then the final exchange at the end. Yep, perfect. Per- actually, you know, the end as a whole is perfect. I think. Yeah. Uh, MVP of the film, Icebox Award, I went with Tom Hardy. Jen? So here's where I put Michael Caine. Okay. Only because I think he's been on this journey with Bruce, and this is very much still, despite Bruce not having a parent, this has always been sort of, they are a father-son relationship because he raised him. And sometimes, you know, your father is your biological, but like sometimes it's the person that raises you, and Alfred raised him Mm -hmm. and has been with him through everything and so right all of the emotional heartbreaking scenes you are emotional and you feel all of that so for me i think michael kane in this gave it a nice wrap up yeah i think michael kane has the best performance in the film but i think tom hardy is my mvp because joker is a hard follow-up and i think he did a really good job as bane uh rye what do you have um i actually have a tie here and we're actually exactly what you just said, Dave. Tom Hardy and Michael Caine for the reasons you just said. Oh, perfect. Michael Caine's performance and Tom Hardy was an excellent villain. As a follow-up, he was probably shit and bricks. He's like, oh, crap. Yep. But he did an excellent job. And what about you, Meg? Can I change my answer to put Michael Caine here? Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> Jen sold me right there. Absolutely. She kind of said everything that I said, she just made it 10 times better. Awesome. All right. And then, what was your original answer out of curiosity? Uh, it was um, Tom Hardy. Oh, nice. Great. So I kind of want to just flip-flop those two. <laughs> and finally, Peaks and Valleys, My Valley, I went here, and Hathaway, I think. She won the Oscar literally the next year. 
So I, I want Anne Hathaway here. What about you, Jen? So I actually, my valley, I went with Ben Mendelsohn. Why? Well, because he he's he's a good actor, and you... he's been, he's significantly since this movie. I mean, I know he's very typecast to be a villain and a criminal, but he's so good uh, as a villain oh, and a criminal. Oh, I agree. Like, he's had Rogue One, he Bloodline on Netflix, like Ready Player, Ready Player One, One, Captain Marvel. He's not quite the villain, so but you're I, I'm not glad, sure. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought Captain so Marvel up. I just feel like his career has gone up significantly yeah. from this. I didn't even think Anne Hathaway, because really, what, so... Besides the Oscar, what else? Hold on, have while we you, got? She's while, kind of taking a break, though. While while you're doing that, I'm gonna talk about the Captain Marvel thing. I love that Ben Mendelsohn casting and Ca- Captain Marvel because there's no way in hell I would have thought he wasn't a villain. So when that twist right. happened in Captain Marvel, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty dope." All right, so while I'm looking that up, Anne Hathaway, Ryan, who's your peaks and valleys here? Uh, my valley is Anne Hathaway for the role of Oscar. You win an Oscar, you get the valley. Yeah. And Am I... go ahead, Ray. Oh no, no, go. Cause we didn't do peaks yet. All right, and Meg, who's your valley here? <laughs> you know, I'm only saying this because I am such a. You know, no, you know what? Valley, Valley's the one with the extended career, right? Yeah, like, the, the one way... that had the best career after the movie. Uh, I'm torn between Anne Hathaway and uh, JGL. I would have I if she didn't win the Oscar. I think I actually would have gone JGL if he didn't retire for like two years or didn't take yeah, that break. Kind of did the hiatus. Yeah, he went on a long hiatus uh, after. So that's kind of. But where... then think about like uh, 500 Days of Summer, Inception, Inception. Um, Snowden, there was no. just Snowden. Snowden. Yeah, there was. He, I think I have to like, I would want to choose Anne Hathaway, but I feel like just based on the titles, like the iconic titles alone, it has to go with him. All right, no problem. And peak, what a, Jen? Who do you have? I actually don't have a peak. I don't know. I had a hard this time. This was the hardest. This is the I hardest one hard for me too. I had a hard time thinking yeah. of a peak for this actually. So I am just bailing out of this completely. All right, Rye, <laughs> what do you have? I had to pull one out, Doctor Pavel. I'm not going to try to pronounce the guy's last name, but Alan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. But, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name. <laughs> Meg, what about but you? Dr. Pavel. White flag. I don't have one. I don't have one either. All right. This is the yeah, only one. Okay. So this is I too feel hard. so much better because I was like, damn, Dave is going to get on me now because right. I don't have this one. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm just going to call it. I produced this. So I'm going to say no this time. No. Yeah. That's a good. I don't know. It was hard. It's it hard. hard to. So with uh, Anne Hathaway, I can see both per- both sides now. Let me see. So Read she's done Les Mis. She won the Oscar the next year. Yes, Les Mis. Uh, right. She did Don John. Uh, Another in- good movie. Interstellar, Colossal, Ocean's 8. Oh, mm. yeah. Oh, well. Serenity. Yeah. <laughs> the Hustle, Dark Waters, which was a awards player. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think she's had. I'm going to go with Ben. I want to be the outlier. And that's fine. Alrighty, and then I'm not going to go through too many facts here just to wind everything down. Uh, just want some that I have. Anne Hathaway has said that she desperately coveted the role of Catwoman and was a complete nervous wreck after her audition because she wasn't sure if she actually got the role. Now, for JGL's character, three people were considered to play Blake. Number one, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, it's a little too old. Yeah, I think. he's too old for yeah. it. Number two, Ryan Gosling. Hello. Ugh. You don't like Ryan Gosling? 
I just feel like he's too he he's kind of that actor where he kind of like relies too much on his pretty boy looks to get by. Oh, but he's so good in La La Land and Drive. Oh, he is. No denying, no denying it. But he knows that he's good looking, and oh, he knows. I, I I think I know too. I think we all know. He's 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 <laughs> easy on the eyes. He uses that to his advantage, and I don't think that's cool. And then number and then the number one person that was looked at before JGL was Leonardo DiCaprio. No, yeah. absolutely not. He's too. Yeah, I know. He's Both too, of my guys. It's too big of Mark a role. He's, I mean, he's nah. too big of an actor for that. Yeah, he's Actually, and not and not because of anything, but I feel like Leo has already established in his career, mm-hmm. even at this point in 2012. Uh, I feel. I'm like, glad you said well, that. Well, I guess he had Inception before that. But, no, but oh no, was that after? No. The reason I'm glad you mentioned that when you said the Leo thing is because I could see it when I knew what he did this exact same year. This is the year he had a supporting role in Django. Yeah, but Django was... Uh, I mean, he was incredible in Django, yeah. but it's, Blake has more screen time than Leo's character in Django does. Yes, but look at what he did. Well, yeah, Leo should have... screen time and the strong story Leo should have won character. the Oscar for Django. It was Django. definitely very... Di- like, it's different. It's just a different, two different movies. But, Abs- um, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't, ha- I couldn't picture Leo as Robin. As that, yeah. Um, All right, so finishing up here, uh, Christopher Nolan wanted Marion Cotillard so much for the role that he modified the filming schedule to accommodate her pregnancy. So safe to say he really wanted her. And then... Regarding the Joker's return, Nolan said, we're not addressing the Joker at all. That's why you never hear the Joker at all out of respect for Heath Ledger. So they never brought it, his name up in the movie yeah, at all. Yeah, but it is a plot hole. But you you know it's mm-hmm. funny? You watch that movie and you Although still Although we fe- are eight years later. Yeah, so he's in Arkham because they do put him in Arkham after. Yeah. Um, I do think that you still feel the Joker's presence in this movie. Like he's somewhere lurking. That's how it feels for me. All right, so to finish the podcast up, Legacy of the of the trilogy. I think this is the best, the second best trilogy of all time. It's my number two after The Godfather. Um, I think all three movies are excellent, as with the greatest comic book movie of all time, in my opinion. And in terms of the worst and best thing that happened, I think it uh, it made DC think that anyone can do what Christopher Nolan did. They gave the keys to Zack Snyder, and he created this giant mess that DC is still fixing to this day. And Warner's are still fixing to this day. So I think that's the negative aspect from it. It also created an idea that anyone can make a dark comic book movie. And as you can see, not many can. Ironically, the best dark comic book movie we've gotten since Dark Knight Rises is probably Joker. Like in terms of like that dark tone. Uh, But no, in, in terms of the legacy, it's my number two best trilogy of all time. It's incredible. And I'm glad that we have it. And we're able to go back to it. Jen, any uh, any last words? No. I mean, I think you kind of covered it there. Um, I just think it... I think it's going to be very hard to replicate in the future. It'll be interesting to see... Unless Christopher Nolan directs another one. Well, yeah. But I don't think he will. I think he's done nah, with... he's done. ...with it. I think he's comfortable with where he left it. It would be... I, I can't imagine. Well, he's one of the only directors that makes original movies still. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine that he would continue. But um no, I think I think he did what he wanted to do. I think the studio supported his vision. Thank I think God. a lot of their issues with the DCEU is just because they didn't have someone really talented enough. No, I think just managing 
everybody's vision within that. Like they haven't been able to replicate what Marvel was able to do and they sh- mm-hmm. and they in the should've... long term. And Meg, because of the organization, and then they kept firing people and then bringing people. It's just before before chaos. I go to Meg, I'm glad Jen brought that up. So I'm curious to your take on this, Meg. I feel that DC's worst choice was to mirror Marvel because Marvel never tried to mirror what DC was doing. Marvel tried to create its own entity. DC, it's like you have apples and oranges. You have someone that loves apples. You have someone that loves oranges. If DC continued to do what they were doing, I think you would have had a way to have your cake and eat it too. You can love both things and continue to be successful. And I think that's where DC failed because DC tried to copy Marvel when they should have just continued to do what they were doing. Because before um, the MCU, you had about 18 to 25 years of garbage outside of Spider-Man. And now they're like, you know, Marvel is Marvel. But before then, people are very quick to forget how awful Marvel was before. Well, they both have ebbed and flowed with each other throughout I, time. I think DC has been was very consistent into the DCEU. They had garbage, like Catwoman, and they did have garbage in there, but I think it was more consistent. I, I mean, that's just like my two cents. Because they just, I mean, Marvel too. movies before we got MCU, we had Captain America, the the Fantastic Four from the 90s, which I actually do like. It's better I than fan, like. It's better than Fan Forsick, and it's yeah. better than that garbage from 05. Um... Mm. Oh, you, you! I liked the O five one. Oh, I like the O five one as well. Oh my god! Wait, is the O five one with Jessica yeah. Alba and all them? Oh, oh, I do yeah. like that one. That's the one I was. Do, 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 do you guys know why I hate that movie? I don't hate the movie, but why I don't like it that much? Because I don't like Michael Chiklis. It's like you with Joaquin. I well, do not like Michael I'm, Chiklis at I'm all. Really, that I really, because I think for that role he was fine. Oh, I, I just don't yeah. like him. I don't I like him at all. I think for that role he was fine. It's not like he was being Johnny Storm. Uh, heads up, the extended version is now on HBO Max. It's about thirty minutes longer. If you guys want yeah, to, yeah, no, that. I do like that version. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's kind of where my two cents is. I think DC is now trying to fix, and has done a good job of fixing that problem that they created for themselves. So, Meg, I leave it to you on the legacy. What do you think? Um, well, actually, I do. Before we get into the legacy, I do have a piece of trivia and I have a curiosity ranking of you guys. Oh, go for it. Okay, so piece of trivia when you were kind of talking about uh, Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, this actually wasn't the first time she was cast as Catwoman. Um, if we had received the Sam Raimi's Spider Man 4, she was actually cast as Felicia Hardy, and the sequel was supposed to feature her and Vulture, played by John Malkovich. Nice. Love that trivia. And my I my uh, rankings for you guys, we all know. I think we can all agree that Joker was the best. But apart from him, I want to know like who were your kind of like top five villains from the trilogy. Oh, perfect! I like that question. So I went with um, Joker, obviously Bane, Ra's al Ghul. Um, hmm, that gets tough. I don't really think the Scarecrow was that great of a villain. Uh, go ahead, Jen. You're gonna say something? No, no, go finish. Do you would you consider Catwoman a villain? Because I don't really think she really has a full villain. She kind of borders line. Yeah, because I would have said Catwoman, but I don't really say she's a she's a villain. I think so. And I, I guess Ben Mendelsohn's character, Dagger, <laughs> Dagger. <laughs> I, I, I got Daggett. Daggett. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I actually thinking about it. It's hard to put after those three. Uh, Jen? so obviously. So right, Joker. Then I would say, um, I would say 
Bane. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm what? sorry. Can I go back? Sure. Um, yeah. Joker, Bane, Two Face. Duh. I totally forgot about Two Face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, wait. Actually, all right. We're going back. Okay. All right. Joker, Bane, Two Face, Razal Ghoul, and then I would say Scarecrow. And see, the only reason why is because since I knew him from before, I would have actually liked to see a little more of Scarecrow in the movie. I know he's a sort of a B villain, but I yeah, just thought a... they did a good job in the first movie. He put and, Bruce like, on second. his ass a couple of times. He yeah, did. and like I just feel like it would have been because of the actor behind it. Like it would have been interesting to see a little more develop. I mean, I, he wasn't going to be the number one, but I would have wanted to hit, see him on screen longer. Fun fact about Scarecrow: yeah. Christopher Nolan did not want him to have the mask originally. They had to convince him to. Have the scarecrow mask on, but that's huh. his character. Yeah, so I like, I like, I actually like him with the suit, not the straw outfit that he. I like no, him with the no, suit with the, and the suit. Hat. Yeah, like it's just and the mask. Yeah, realistic. suit and the mask is awesome. Um, what about you, Rye? To next question. Uh, yeah, Joker, Bane, um, Two Face, Two Face, Roz, Crow, and then I guess Talia. Me, yeah. What about you, Meg? Who who are you rounding out your five? Uh, I gotta go Joker, Bane, Two Face, Roz, and Scarecrow, only because when I think about the first movie, he kinda really like inflicted fear in me. Yeah. It was more it was more fear than menacing. Alright, awesome. So that's the only reason he uh, rounded it out. And one I guess one last question, uh ranking the movies. Uh where do you where are you guys? Uh I'm with Dark Knight. Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises. Jen? Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Batman Begins. <laughs> oh, my God. Ryan, save us, please. Dark Dark Knight Begins Rises. And then, Meg, your Begins Dark Rises, I can assume? Uh, no. Begins Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that's where I... All right, cool. Perfect. All right, so that wraps up this very extended episode of Real Chronicles. Uh, glad, hope you enjoyed. And next week, Jen and Meg are going to go rock out as we cover the 25th anniversary. Yes, I said 25th anniversary of Clueless. I'm so excited. Way to age us, David. 25 years. Yeah, yeah that's pretty crazy. 25 years. I remember when that movie first came out. And Paul Rudd still has not aged since then. No, he no. hasn't. And we're going to talk about that what next age week. What best? Paul Rudd. Yep, and we'll find out the rest yep. next week. Until then, kids, see you at the movies.